Listen to the read option. So you know what the fuck you're talking about. It's going to be our new intro song. If you want. Everybody bring it in. Once again, we are back. Episode 15 already of the read option. Got a loaded free agency recap show for you today. We're going to pick our sweet 16 as we're getting ready for the continuation of the madness from this past weekend. And I am joined by my man, Scotty Miller. No veto today. Couldn't be here. My man's out there grinding, doing his shit, and we're proud of him. So uh, just you and me, Scotty, today, but we're ready to rock and roll. How are you, my friend? I'm good. It's a good thing we're friends that we can do this podcast and not be annoyed with each other. But love to love to be back on with you, Al Jefe, talking the old ball. Hey, man, that's, that's what we do here, brother. And you're right. Look, it's a podcast we do for fun for the most part, uh, and we love as many listeners as we can. Uh, it's obviously something I aspire to in my career. You guys are busy, man. You're looking for a house. Vito's getting ready for a big move and building skyscrapers. Like literally that man's grinding his ass off. So Zone never a problem. Hands. You know, sometimes you don't have you. Sometimes we have, don't have uh, Vito. And sometimes I'm repping solo like yesterday uh, where I did an hour and 20 minutes. So I think I like that. Well, check excited. it out, by the way. Check out the, the new read option podcast with Jeff. He breaks down a lot of the NC2A's faults uh, uh, and breaks down some of the bracket and some uh, state of the NBA. Check it out go th- wherever you get go your podcast. Go through all that. Go through all that. And uh, Mel Kuyper's most recent mo- uh, mock draft, because everyone knows we are a mock draft podcast. Love mock draft season here on the read option. But, Scotty, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, uh, primarily around the NFL. And I feel like we've been wait- kind of waiting to do this podcast now for like two weeks. Like we did the fan – like the day of free agency – We've made some of our ideal signings, but by now we're about half, maybe halfway, 40% of the way through. A lot of the big names are off the board, still a few hanging on, uh, but that best available list, kind of like day three in the draft, man, just dwindling more and more of these names that get you excited. And and, uh, we know where people are headed and we're starting to get an idea, a better idea of how the draft's going to look. But we're going to break down this whole thing and we're going to go through position by position uh, we're not going to just sit here and list off every single person, but I think one of the things I want to do here and in coming up with what we were going to talk about today is that we we have this free agency frenzy and then we have the draft and then OTAs and spring camp, all that kind of stuff starts. Then training camp comes along and for most people, you kind of lock into like what your team did. So you're excited about your new draft picks and your new free agents for your your squad. A lot of people kind of forget who is where and and it takes the first like three weeks of the nfl season to be like oh yeah you're right jacoby Brissett is now the backup for the dolphins so i think there's value in in going through this don't you think oh yeah absolutely because even when it gets down to prepping for for a fantasy league i i often find myself going he's on that team now okay Mm -hmm. um better better regroup and figure out what that means for my fantasy draft if that uh if that means that jacoby Brissett is going to get some touches behind in the red zone like he did in indianapolis let's do this sign me up qqb league let's go that's great yeah man you don't want Tua going in there on those 
those goal line power, you know, you don't yeah. want Tua go not with his injury history and his size. Get Jacoby yeah. Brissett in there. He's basically a fullback who can throw the ball 75 yards. So not a bad thing to have. Uh, on the note of fantasy, it's it's important to know. I don't know if we fully divulged like how this podcast started. Like, because for a lot of you, you picked up listening to us when we started the read option, but the truth is, the story behind it is that the three of us, you, me, and Vito, for our own fantasy football league, uh, which you were the commissioner of, that's where the nickname, the commish, the commish. comes in for our boy, Scotty. You know, one of the reasons we, we started doing this in the first place is because we did a podcast for our fantasy league specifically. You know, we, we did a podcast that was just recapping our weekly matchups and sprinkling in some football talk. And the more we did it, the more it was kind of like, yo, we should really take this thing on a roll. I was going to start doing a solo pod. And you know what? There's one thing about podcasts, take you behind the, you know, the blue curtain a little bit here is that it's really freaking hard to do it solo. You can have guests on, which always make it better, but filling an hours, an hour of content, basically talking to yourself on a zoom call, staring at your own ugly mug, trying to talk about sports can be difficult and having other big sports fans who were your buddies, right? I mean, that's kind of the feel here that we want to do with this whole podcast is, you know, we really want to be able to, to make you guys, the listeners feel as though we are just talking about sports. Like you're hanging out with some buddies, having a beer on the couch, watching sports, talking about sports. And that's really the kind of, the kind of feel we have here for today. So, uh, not just for today, for, for the whole podcast. So uh, enough belaboring on that. I just thought it was a fun story to kind of go peek behind the curtain as to how we really did, the, how this whole thing kind of came about. And uh, we've all become much closer friends because of it. And we got to do a really fun podcast together. So with that being said, though, Scotty, we're going to hop in now. And just like in football, uh, you know, in, in any sense of football, you start with the quarterback position. Yeah, right. That, that is ultimate. That's it's where you're always going to begin. So we're going to run through here now a couple of the signings, guys like Dak Prescott we talked about uh, and Cam Newton a little bit we talked about. And those aren't too surprising. You know, I guess the Cam Newton was, one was a little bit. But we're going to talk about some of these other guys because for the most part, there's only about three quarterbacks that are now going to be starters that signed in free agency. Them being Fitzmagic, uh, Andy James Dalton. Winston. And Jameis Winston. Those are the three big names. Now, I'm not sure Chicago's done, right? They could do something in the draft. There are still some rumors floating around that they might still be interested in Russell Wilson. But the one thing we've learned with this whole Seattle situation is that it's not enough to just get a ton of draft capital back. They actually want a legitimate quarterback back. And unfortunately, Chicago doesn't really have one that they can offer. And I don't think Andy Dalton is now going to move the needle. Uh, But we're going to start off with these guys, Jameis Winston coming back to New Orleans. What was your initial impact yeah. or reaction? Because it seems as though there's still obviously that infatuation with uh, Sean Payton and Taysom Hill. But what is your initial reaction there? And who do you think has the edge going into training camp, Jameis Winston I, or Taysom Hill? Yeah, that, that contract of Taysom's is weird um, <clears throat> to say the least, but I, I give the edge to Jameis um, in I, look even when he was in, in as far as Tampa Bay, um, the guy's good. He's threw for over 5,000 yards in his mm-hmm. last year in Tampa Bay. Uh, he's a good quarterback. Uh, I don't, I, under Sean Payton's tutelage, I, I can see nothing but, but touchdowns in his future. 
Honestly, if he can if he can mitigate the interception problem that he had in Tampa Bay, he's got he's on a great trajectory, uh, and on a great team to do it with, uh, with all the offensive weapons around him. So I I, I love him as the starter. Even the the there was a that play that we talked about uh, earlier in the podcast. Maybe it was on the fantasy one uh, during the playoffs. It was the d- divisional round against Tampa Bay where they they did that little trick play and Jameis just with no no hesitation. Easy as hell, just threw like a fifty-yard bomb on a trick play for a touchdown. Like it was, it was gorgeous. I and I the, think that's talent, what he brings to the table. Yeah, the the talent has never been in question when it comes to Jameis, right? Like we, we've all seen the arm talent. We all watched what he did at Florida State. He was the number one overall pick for a reason. Now that is a cliche in sports, right? You know, we can look back and like John Ross just signed with the Giants. He was a top ten pick at, at wide receiver. So there's always going to be that label attached to him of going, yeah, but he was a top ten pick, right? But at some point, the more you do things in the, you know, in the NFL, the more the, the label gets attached to you, right? The, the more uh, people start to understand what you can do at the professional level and whether or not you were just not wasted talent, right? Because a lot of times it's situational dependent. And you hit it on the head there. Jameis is in as good of a situation to succeed now as I think we could see him in. I'm still skeptical. I still don't know if Jameis is ever going to have uh, you know, remove the the gunslinger mentality from him. Like, I, I think that's a part of how he plays the position. It's part of what makes him great. It's a part of what makes was a, allowed him to throw the, uh, you know, for throw to throw for 5,000 yards. It's important to note, though, that a lot of that 5,000 yards came because he constantly turned the ball over. So his teams were losing a lot, and he always was, they were always down. They're throwing the ball late. There's a lot of empty calories in that 5,000 yards, but. The talent is undeniable, and getting to learn from Sean Payton, getting to watch how Drew Brees prepares every single day, yeah, I think that can have a positive impact on yeah, him was, now with coming back to the Saints. I was just going to say that, that the one point I, I left out that you just nailed was the fact that he sat behind Drew Brees for a year and watched one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time do what he did at that position. And talk about a gunslinger. I mean, that's what Drew Brees did his whole career. So. Well, I wouldn't I like- say Drew Brees was a gunslinger. I mean, I think Drew Brees was a was a tactician artist, man. Like his ability to just flat out pick apart defenses, right? And earlier in his career, he definitely had an, uh, an element of that. And I think we're probably a little brainwashed from the last five years of his career where it was he didn't have the arm talent that he once had. He had to play the game smarter. But Jameis, if he can hone some of those skills and, and watch how Drew Brees – like the one thing you always hear about Drew Brees is how much of a competitor he was, right? And, and the way he approached the game every single day. There, there were videos that were resurfaced. I think it was not, it wasn't this year. It was, I think it was the year before about the way he would stand, like he would literally be by himself on the practice field in the training facility in New Orleans and just take blank, like empty reps with nobody around, just visualizing everything. And if Jameis can pull some of that in, it would be out of character from everything we know about Jameis, but I also wouldn't be completely surprised. Uh, that being said, there are other quarterbacks here. And, and the one that I think got the most positive attention was Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he signed with the Washington football team. Washington has done a lot of really good things in free agency so far this year. And we're going to break down a lot of that. Curtis Samuel was a phenomenal signing. And, and I think pairing him with Terry McLaurin is great. Uh, obviously, they, they brought in the cornerback, um, William Jackson, who – was probably the top prized cornerback in this year's class. And we'll get into a little bit of that later. But why are we like 
what, how did the narrative, how did the conversation surrounding Ryan Fitzpatrick change? Three years ago, having Ryan Fitzpatrick on your team as your starting quarterback was a bad thing. Why is it all of a sudden at age 38 now that people are excited to have Ryan Fitzpatrick on your team? I, I genuinely don't understand it. We all love him, and he's a he's a magnet, right? Like people are drawn to him, his personality. He went to Harvard, right? That joke's been done to death. The big beard the press conference, the Fitz magic, like all this shit about him makes us all like him as people who follow sports, particularly in the NFL, but he's not a good quarterback. So is it because he's, he's a little bit better than Ty- Taylor Henneke? Like I'd be more excited to see what Tyler Henneke can do. If I'm being totally honest, like you're not, like, there's such a limited C- like ceiling with Ryan Fitzpatrick. We've literally seen it now for almost what, 17 years, 18 years or 16 years that he's been in the NFL. Like, I like Ryan Fitzpatrick, the person and the personality, and I'm excited that he's still a part of the NFL. But since when is Ryan Fitzpatrick a positive? How is that a net positive for your team? It means that you don't have a future at the quarterback position. That's why you bring him in, Jeffrey. You bring him in for the Fitz magic. That's what it's all about. If that's what he contributes to your team, look how how close the the, the Washington football team was uh, to beating Tampa Bay. That was a great game uh, in the in the uh, playoffs there. If that's the guy that elevates you after the free agent signings you had, after you brought back Brandon Scherf, <clears throat> your defensive line is still young, and you have the best defense, uh, second-best defensive player, I think, in the league next year. Um, Chase, you think that highly of Chase Young? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I watched the guy for, f- like, what, three, four years at Penn State or at uh, Ohio State. Kicking oh, he's incredible. Don't get me, don't get me wrong, but, 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 <clears throat> but you bring him back for the Fitz magic factor. <clears throat> and that's what it's all about. You want the name Ron Rivera is going to coach him up. No, you don't coach up a 38 year old. Like if anyone's oh, yeah. a set in their ways, it's freaking Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is a gun. He is a gunslinger. He's not going to protect the football. He's going to turn the football over constantly. That's what he's done his entire career. Yeah. He looked good in games for the dolphins last year. He looked good in Tampa Bay at certain times of the year before. But the thing with Fitzmagic is that the magic always runs out. And while I enjoy him as a personality, I think he's a very entertaining guy. Well, I don't understand why this is viewed as a, a positive signing. To me, the, the needle, but he's, he's Andy Dalton, but like on cocaine. Like that's what? literally, like, it's like, well, I don't understand if, if Bears fans, like honestly, what is, how big of a difference is there between Andy Dalton and Brian Fitzpatrick? And in a production standpoint, how much of a difference is that? Oh, uh, the beard for one. Uh, okay, but uh, like produ- as a quarterback. <laughs> uh, well, Fitzmagic uh, finishes close games and wins close games for you. A lot of close games in the NFC East. Watch Fitzmagic get uh, get the he Washington like, football team he over the like hump. Yeah, they're going to go four, nine man. and seven. They're going to go nine and seven. Okay, and that's then you're then you're looking forward to mediocrity. Then you're pulling for mediocrity. Right. You you did all this work in free agency. You have a chance to draft really, really well up in this upcoming draft. Go get a quarterback. Go get a real quarterback. Make a trade for somebody. And obviously, like, look, there's a limited amount of people. But like if they made a trade for, I don't know, Teddy Bridgewater, like I would rather that like I, I just I don't understand. I would rather have Tyrod Taylor than Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was a free agent this year. It's just this this idea that Ryan Fitzpatrick is he's not a good leader. Like he's he's not. People are are, are you know gravitate towards him. So then but why he don't was you openly, keep Alex Smith? 
Well, that, that I think has more to do with the health concerns than anything else. And, and, and Rivera openly said that, like, they don't want to be the, he, they don't want him playing for them when the next injury inevitably happens. And because they saw firsthand everything Alex Smith had to go through. And I like Alex Smith in a lot of ways. I probably would rather have Alex Smith with another year of recovery under his belt than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I just, I do not understand it at all. And I think it's just because we like the guy, you know, when, when, to, when he got benched for Tua, he was openly talking about how pissed off and upset he was to the media, which like, yeah, he's a competitor. Don't you want your starting quarterback to be a competitor? Of course. But also yeah, you have a guy who just, just, just got drafted number six overall. Like, yeah, dude, you're, you're not going to play the whole season. And yeah, so finally, what, he gets a shot here? Maybe they make the postseason? But I think they finished third in the NFC East. Oh, wow. or, or at least that is very realistic. Because they may not even have yeah. the best defense in the division. As good as their defense will probably be this year, their defensive line is great. Their secondary is now above average. You know, they were the number three overall defense in the NFL last year. And the one weak spot that they had was in the secondary. So you go get William Jackson. Now all of a sudden you're a little more secure back there. I just, and here's the thing. This probably sounds like I hate Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't. It does, I, I does sound like think, that. I, I, I hate the way that we talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I hate the way that we think that all of a sudden adding Ryan Fitzpatrick is some sort of great, incredible move by a front office. Like it's just not, you're, you're toiling in, in mediocrity with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's been on nine teams. And it's a funny stat, and we all like to joke about it, but that is very telling about the player. And this isn't a guy who's only been around. This guy's been around for a long time, like a really long time. And so while I like him and I like the Fitz magic, the Fitz magic has always run out. He'll get hot for three games, and then he'll play like dog shit for three games. So I need and he'll get hot use. for a couple games. Well, we don't know that, though. Oh, I mean, that yeah, Cowboys team with, with Dak Prescott coming back, some of the moves that they've made on the defensive side of the ball, the Cowboys are going to be pretty good this year. The Giants with with Kenny Galladay, and again, we'll get into some of that later. The Giants are gonna be pretty good this year. The Eagles, yeah, Eagles suck. Eagles are gonna be like four and twelve again. Blow it but up. I just I I don't understand this obsession of from a football perspective. I get it off the field, but from a football perspective, the oh, he's so overrated. He's so painfully overrated now, and I just don't understand why people think this is like a brilliant move by the by the. Washington football team. I almost slept. I almost slept there. Um, all right. No more in Fitz magic that we don't need to talk about that anymore. Oh, Washington uh, football team. <laughs> Andy Dalton, you know, Andy Dalton's vanilla, right? And Andy Dalton is vanilla ice cream. Well, that is an accurate depiction. Of yes. He is. He's okay. You know, it's <laughs> vanilla ice cream. Okay. And if you're Chicago, I feel I empathize with Chicago fans. Cause you're hearing all these rumors about Russ Wilson, who like why the bears were one of the four teams on his list. I don't know. And yeah, then the, I, the Cowboys were one of them. They go off and sign uh, Dak Prescott. Who was the, who are the other teams on his list? It was Dallas Vegas, who I guess technically they're, they yeah. could still be alive in, in the market though. They, they're bringing back uh, Mariota as a backup. They're bringing back Derek Carr. I think for whatever reason, John Gruden really, really likes Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr. I like this guy, man. <laughs> uh, I, I think San Francisco was on that list too for a little bit, which would have been awesome. No, 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 no. San Francisco <laughs> on his, cause he's, he sent out four teams that he said he'd be okay going to. And now for the life of me, I can't remember who the other one was, but regardless, it's a two team race between Chicago and that other team. And, it really felt like Chicago who apparently made a really strong push for him. I mean, they still have Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. Like that just, 
That sucks. <laughs> Especially when you convince yourself as a fan, like, cause we've all been there. We've all convinced you convince yourself to Sean Watson's going to the Niners. Like, Oh, it's happening. So. Right. And if, when it inevitably doesn't, it's going to suck. Well, but it will. When you have Jimmy G taking snaps for you week one, you're going to be ah. so angry. And yeah, I'm going to, I can't right. wait to tell you again that you need to lay off <laughs> Jimmy G. It's, it's getting ridiculous. Jimmy win a ring and you will all will be forgiven. Uh, the one other quarterback that's signed that has a very legitimate chance of starting week one is Tyrod Taylor. Uh, there's a bunch of shit going on with Deshaun Watson. My whole stance historically when, when this kind of stuff happens and you have certain, and this isn't even a legal matter, right? These are civil lawsuits. Uh, and there's a lot of weird stuff going on there with Deshaun. Um, if it's true, it's absolutely abhorrent and disgusting, but also, yeah. And not to sound insensitive. It's just, this is a move that lawyers make because they, they file a million civil lawsuits, never file anything legally. And if 10 women are coming forward saying that this happened to them and not a single, you know, legal case is being brought up that, especially for things that supposedly happened within the last few months. Um, it's just, there's a lot of information that we need to have come out here first. And I think, uh, I'm sorry, the, the odds of that are not, are not good. Like the, if there are that many women coming forward, like something obviously happened, there's something there. I'm sorry. I, I like, I don't feel comfortable saying that just, be, just being totally honest. I don't feel comfortable saying that it didn't happen. Right. It's just right now, given that everything going on with him, given the lawyer who is making the accusations against Deshaun Watson uh, or helping these women, you know, make these ac accusations against Deshaun Watson is a personal friend and next door neighbor to the, you know, the president of the team. There's, there's some just there's some concerning aspects here, and I just would rather have all the facts come out before that. Um, but on top of that, from a football perspective, it really does seem like Deshaun Watson is just never going to play for Houston again. If he has to sit out, then he sits out. Uh, and there's been a lot of people who are closely tied to the Texans team, uh, reporters like in the in the local media, uh, and, and even guys like Schefter have kind of alluded to it as well that they think a trade will inevitably get made here at some point. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's a lot of weird stuff going on there. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Tyrod Taylor is your day one starter there. Yeah. And, uh, that's a good sign just, too. And Hey, look, I like Tyrod Taylor, you know, I, I really do. I, I mean, he's a little more than vanilla ice cream, right? Maybe he's a little more like mint chocolate chip, uh -huh. you know, you know, he's got a little extra kick in there, but um, I, I think, you know, he's, he's been a guy who has kind of been screwed over, right? We're, we talked about him last year. He got a freaking punctured lung because of a team doctor uh and, and just, thus spake justin herbert exactly and then all of a sudden justin herbert became rookie of the year and one of the most impressive rookie quarterbacks that i've ever seen in my life if not the most impressive rookie quarterback that i've ever seen in my life so uh that's who's pretty the, much go ahead who's the court who's the one quarterback on this list that hasn't signed yet that's a free agent that it, you are excited about the most i'm looking at guys like i mean alex smith maybe that that's a story uh you got Two guys from San Francisco, Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. Uh, although your boy Joe Flacco now with the coming, with coming the to Philly, yeah, wow, um, lucky you. Colt McCoy is still on here. Chase Daniel, those guys can, are. Can I answer? Matt nobody? Barkley is up there. Okay, can I answer there? nobody. I mean, Blaine Gabbert. I mean, Blaine Gabbert just won a Super Bowl down there in Tampa <laughs> Bay. Got a ring, winning pedigree. Uh, yeah, no one on this list. RG three. I mean, because none of these guys are starting. I mean. Bortles is still well, yeah, kicking but, around. Um, there's no one on those on this list left. I mean, I guess Alex Smith is the one that you would hope 
I, you know, here's one that's interesting. Nick Mullins. Because when Nick Mullins had that big Monday night game in San Francisco and everybody went, you know, hey, actually, like, this guy's now going to be a long-term backup in the NFL. Like, I would think somebody brings him in to be a backup uh, because he's, he's again, he's, he's a solid, okay backup. You know, I, I, on a lot of ways, I kind of would rather have Nick Mullins than Joe Flacco. But I don't know. I don't trust the Eagles front office to do pretty much anything. Uh, let's move <laughs> on to the running backs here. For the most part, there, there's really only about five or six running backs here that are worth even kind of talking about. The top two both going back to their home – or not home, but going back to the teams that they were on. Aaron Jones signed that four-year deal with Green Bay. Chris Carson signing a two-year deal to return to Seattle as well. Kenyon Drake is the first name that really, I think, kind of opened people's eyes. Going to Las Vegas. Now, this is interesting to me on in a couple of different levels. In a fantasy perspective, what does that do for Josh Jacobs? Yeah, forget it. You got what you could out of uh, 2020. So, which is crazy because Josh Jacobs is still a really good running back, and I know. honestly, because we couldn't figure it out for the longest time, and and I don't think it's a Josh Jacobs thing, and I don't think it's an offensive line thing. They had one of the best offensive lines in football last year, which is why so many people were freaking out. I was like, why are the Raiders like just like sending away all their offensive linemen? Though they've done, they've moved, make some pieces, and have figured out ways to kind of recruit some of that. I think schematically the way they were running the ball, whoever the run game coordinator was, I think there were some, I think they could be more creative, I guess. I think in a lot of ways, when you talk about John Gruden, he likes to play football. Like it's 2004. Yeah. Power, right. Yeah. At at least when it comes to running the football, like throwing the football, he's a little more, you know, 2020, he's closer to that end of the spectrum, but when it comes to running it, he still runs very basic running concepts. So I guess Kenyon Drake, you bring in him, you bring him back or bring him in rather and you see what he can add. He obviously can catch the ball in the backfield. That could be a really nasty one-two punch out of the backfield between Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. Yeah, it's a gamble uh, in Vegas. It is. It is. No stranger Mike, to gambling there. Yeah. Uh, Mike Davis going to Atlanta. I love that. I do too. Yeah. But I'm curious because I think I think Atlanta, especially having a second draft pick high in the second round, I mean, there could be a guy like Travis Etienne there. Uh, you know, this has happened to Mike Davis before. Happened to him in Carolina. Uh, I forget where he played before Carolina too, but it happened to him there. I Mike Davis. Yeah, it was San Francisco. You're yeah. right. Um, so I, I don't I don't know exactly how I feel. I hope that doesn't happen. I feel like he is he proved his worth. He proved how talented he can be. I mean, he was amazing filling in for for Christian McCaffrey last year. So we'll we'll see. Especially them getting off from that Todd Gurley contract and 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 kind of moving past them at this point. The last name that I think kind of really moves the needle here, and then we can kind of talk about what which one of these we think is the biggest impact here. Uh, Jamal Williams staying in division, going to Detroit. Uh, I, I don't really know what to make of that, other than I think they're probably just the highest bidder. Now I, they, yeah, especially I, I would since agree. They have, they have DeAndre Swift, so I mean he's still going to be kind of a third down, you know, rotation kind of back there. But they want to play old school, smash mouth, nasty, gritty football in Detroit now with Dan Campbell. So we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But they do this every year. They have two to three decent running backs, never a premier guy, and then one guy breaks out and they keep the rotation going. Like, no, just hand the ball and pass the ball to DeAndre Swift. Why do you need another running back in that rotation? It's going to take touches away from him. And they, you know, it's a different GM than, than who drafted Deandre Swift and it's a different mindset as a team, right? I mean, the, the lions by all accounts are going to be the worst team in football next year. Um, 
and look, we said the same thing about the Panthers and the Panthers were a really frisky teams and a lot of competitive games they weren't a great team. Obviously they're picking eighth overall, but yeah, you're right. They do have a tendency to kind of do that. I, I for one, like maybe you're thinking more long-term like, Hey, we know we're not going to win this year. So let's, let's save, you know, Deandre Swift's legs a little bit. Let's try to make sure he's not getting too banged up. Let's don't waste his prime. Uh, and see if maybe they can re-sign him after the fact. Because at that point, too, he's not going to have the production to warrant the, one of these massive running back contracts that we've seen with Ezekiel Elliott, with Todd right. Gurley, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, any of these guys. Um, and then the one other name that I found interesting, James White going back to New England today as well, Marlon Mack coming back to uh, Indianapolis. Which name here of kind of the top six or seven guys are you most intrigued with? Like, who do you think will have the biggest impact when it comes to actual effect on winning next year? Uh, that changed teams or? No, just in general, just of, of these uh, guys who were, who were free agents. I got to go. Uh, I'm going to go Aaron Jones. Um, that's the obvious one. I think of, of the, the lower half, I think Mike Davis, honestly, uh, that's that to me. Um, and we talked about the one-two punch with uh, with Jacobs and Kenyon Drake in Las Vegas. Now I think that's probably the best tandem. Uh, but but Mike Davis, if he gets the the lion shares, the premier back, um, especially with what we think is probably going to be a new quarterback. Now that could change the my answer there, because if, if they get a gunslinger like Zach Wilson, then um, then that might change. Um, because well, and they also remember too, they re- they restructured Matt Ryan's contract. Right. So they can't move on from Matt Ryan until the end until 2023. Yeah. So they they're committed to this year and next year of Matt Ryan. Obviously they could try to trade him, restructuring his deal makes that contract a little bit easier to trade, which I think is big though. The cap hit is still going to be enormous. They were able to work some of that down. I'm not exactly sure. I think look, Matt Ryan especially the way that the NFL is moving right now, uh, and, and you look at a guy like Arthur uh, Arthur Smith, right, who's now the head coach there down in Atlanta. He did really good things with Ryan Tannehill. And now you're going to pair a really good offensive mind with an established quarterback guy who's won an MVP before. Uh, But I like, I agree with you. I think Mike Davis can have a real impact because, you know, he's kind of a bulky stocky guy. You don't really think of him as a traditional catch the ball out of the backfield. He can do a little bit of everything. He's a Jack of all trades, right? He can, he can run between the tackles. He can run the zone. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. You can use him in the screen game. I mean, he filled in for Christian McCaffrey. He like, scores touchdowns, man. That's yeah, he and he's, he's great around the goal line. Yeah, uh, I, I like that pick. I think Aaron Jones is is the best of these guys, and I think he's ultimately going to be the one that has the biggest impact. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I really don't like the Chris Carson signing. Uh, when he's healthy, Let he's him run pro- the ball. <laughs> well, when he's healthy. So they did in the second half of last year when he was hurt. They, they started the season with Chris Carson healthy and they were letting Russ cook. And then there was some kind of conflict in, in the locker room. And, and as far as discrepancies is what they should do offensively. And Pete Carroll's like, all right, we're going to go back to what we used to do and run the ball like crazy. And at that point, Chris Carson was hurt. So, you know, Chris Carson, he's, he's kind of always been hurt. He's only 26. He feels like he's a lot older than that, but his, you know, he might be 26. His body's probably closer to 32. So you sign him for two years. It's only one year that they're stuck with him. So maybe you keep him for this year, see if he can stay healthy. Obviously, when you have Russell Wilson as your quarterback, the window's always open. But Seattle's made some interesting moves here, and we'll get into some of that a little bit later. Let's move down now to the uh, wide receivers, because this wide receiver class was kind of the the bell cow of all of, you know, 
the free agency. There were so many big names. And then having Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin both get franchise tagged, obviously put a little bit of a damper on this, as well as Juju Smith-Schuster returning to Pittsburgh. I know oh, you have some brother. opinions on she, that. Just, uh, what a joke. And he did it on the second day of the tournament. You announced that. Get out of here. I don't understand Wait, why you're so upset about nobody, it. You were, texting, you were texting us like so upset about this. What? What, what is the deal? Why is it ridiculous? He's the third best wide receiver to me in the in the in the free agent class, right? Fourth best. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll put him ahead of Will Fuller, frankly. Um, And to then on the second day of the tournament, you're coming out on Twitter saying you you re-signed a one year deal with Pittsburgh, and this is the Pittsburgh Kool Aid, by the way. Oh, I just love the city. I love the fan. Get out of here. Have you ever been to Pittsburgh? Get out of here with that crap. Stop Dude, drinking this, the Kool-Aid. What is the I don't need your anticlimactic news that you're going back to the team that drafted you just because you want to be loyal to the Steelers. I'm done. Like, that's enough. Get out of here. Go. Stay with Pittsburgh for the rest of your career. I don't care. Go. This seems like it's more of a personal thing with you in Pittsburgh than it has to, and like the city, than it has to do with anything else. Like, it's, first I'm tired of here. Wait, no, let's, let's, let's unpack some of this. Why the hell does it matter if it was in the tournament? Oh, well, I don't need to There's hear There's a hundred like, signings that went if, on during the tournament. Kenny Galladay signed during the tournament. Yeah, but he, he went to an actual good team. Um, what if, do you mean if, actual good team? <laughs> it was it was a big deal that he signed with New York. Not really. I mean, Ken NY Galladay. How about that? Uh, no, it, it, it was the anticlimactic deal for me. Like, I figured you were probably going back to Pittsburgh. Like, I don't need to hear that while there's four games going on and 12 more the rest of the day that you re-signed a one-year deal with Pittsburgh. I don't care. That's great. I would, but, but what do you, okay. So what do you mean here? Like what? So we were just, no one was supposed to know that it happened. And then ah, like three, two weeks from now, it was going to come out. If I would think, signed, I would think as the resident, like senior on this podcast as the old man, you would love the old school. He yeah, got a yeah, bigger no. offer to trade to his go, go to his rival. Yeah. And he's decided well, to say, that, if this was, if this was cool. San Francisco and Seattle and he did that, you would be busting a nut. You'd be freaking out. You'd be like, yeah, damn right. He wanted to stay here because he loves our fans and he loves our city. Come on, Scott. It's true. I would. I just don't like Exactly. <laughs> you just don't like Pittsburgh. No, I, I, don't get me wrong, dude. Like, is it anticlimactic? Would I have liked to see Juju play in a different area, especially with the aging Big Ben? Sure. But clearly that city matters to him. And I think it's actually kind of cool in an era where we see people forcing their way out of places to take less money. And remember, too, Scott, it's a one-year deal. One year, eight million dollars. Right. And right. he's going to be the the. He's still going to be the third best free agent and on the block next year. And here's here's a more like, just honest like part here. The market for wide receivers this year was down. Yes. The Giants paid out the ass for Kenny Galladay, and I you, we've talked this before. I really love Kenny Galladay but they way grossly overpaid him. So, and outside of that, there just wasn't a market for these guys who, because in a lot of eyes, Juju wasn't considered to be a legit number one. And I think the market was dictating this more than Juju was. It it wasn't Juju. It's the market. Teams weren't paying or giving multi-year deals for most wide receivers. And, and Diana Rossini even had an unnamed wide receiver, free agent wide receiver from this year who said, the one thing I told my agent was give me a one-year deal because with the cap being significantly dropped this year and that being a very deep wide receiver draft class and a deep wide receiver free agency class, teams weren't going to pay top dollar unless they had a shitload of cap space for a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster. 
So he gets a one-year deal. He gets to be the good guy to come back. He gets to play with Big Ben and what's most certainly going to be Big Ben's last year. Yeah, and then when he leaves you next year, Pittsburgh fans are going to just complain all day. Like, you know, this is what I'm tired of Pittsburgh. Get out of here. It's Pittsburgh's fault. It's not your fault, Juju. You're fine. You're good. It's Pittsburgh. Just get off TikTok. Just just stay off of TikTok. And probably the live streams too. Shout out Miles Leonard. Fuck Miles <laughs> Leonard. Um, all right. Let, besides Juju, I want to run through the other names here because it kind of got derailed a little bit. Uh, Kenny Galladay, obviously signing four-year deal with yeah. like almost $70 million dollars, uh, with the New York Giants. Wolf Fuller, one-year yeah. deal with Miami. Again, that was intriguing. Deal. Um, T.Y. Hilton, one-year deal. Got announced today, coming back with the Colts. Coming home, yeah. Uh, and then a couple of other interesting ones here too. A.J. Green signed a one-year deal. Corey Davis, yeah, three years with the Jets. I, I love that. And then Curtis Samuel, three years with the Washington football team. Rashard Higgins coming back to Cleveland. Uh, and then some other kind of miscellaneous names that we can get into later. Of that top tier that we just kind of went through, and, and we'll put Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin aside because we already talked about them before. Sure. So Galladay, Fuller, Juju, Ty, Corey Davis, AJ Green, Samuel. Who who of that class is jumping out to you now? Who won the wide receiver lottery? I. Uh, this year's free agency class i love Corey davis and to the jets that's that's a great sign and three years um <clears throat> he he can do it all and i mean good for him too he signed for for a great amount of money his story is insane by the way if you've ever heard it his brother died right before last yeah. or this past season um man uh i can't even imagine but he's also a great wide receiver um i am curious because he was a great wide receiver with aj brown also on the field at the same time in tennessee uh now he's going to be the premier guy we also don't know who's going to be throwing to him um, yeah. but i do i do like the sign i think he can be a guy who who is that a uh, true number one wide receiver and he's going to show it he's he's got skills for days and the dude's hands are just unbelievable he does not drop the ball yeah you know the thing with Corey davis is it's funny because when you see him make spectacular plays it, it drops your jaw you're like holy shit man i mean this guy this guy's a freak athletically i loved watching him at central michigan i remember him coming out and watching him in that bowl game because they they played on a new year six bowl when he was there and that was with row the boat uh what's his name um pj fleck pj fleck thank you uh with pj fleck row the boat back with the broncos of or was it central michigan that was western western michigan, michigan. God, yeah. i did i central make a mistake every time yeah yes you're right i'm sorry i'm sorry all of the Western Michigan Broncos fans out there, I, I completely disrespected you. Um, but no, Corey, Corey Davis was drafted at, at number six overall for a reason, right? I mean, this guy has ridiculous yeah. talent. And ironically, I'm doing the thing that I alluded to at the top of the podcast. They do have that pedigree for a reason, right? They are more or less thoroughbreds, if you want to think about it in that kind of a perspective. Uh, he's Corey a Davis, yeah. you hit the nail on the head, though, Scott. Who is throwing him the, the ball? And if they keep Sam Darnold, they've put assets into their offensive line. The defense has gotten a little bit better. And let's say they trade back to with Carolina to number eight, and you add Jalen Waddle, right? Maybe Monte Smith or Jamar Chase drops that far. Oh, one of those guys is going to be there. Even if you if you reach or even go further back and grab, grab Kadarius Tony. Yeah, right. If they want to go back and draft somebody to get more draft capital, that would feel like a very Joe Douglas thing to do. However, reports have already been, I mean, came out over the weekend. The Jets still don't know what they're going to do. And we're getting closer and closer to the draft. We're literally only, what, three and a half weeks away? That yeah, is yeah, concerning. 
That is concerning. So uh, I, I guess if it's Corey Davis, it's the best offer. It's three years. You, you take it. For me, you know, a lot of people made a big deal about the Curtis Samuel going to uh, Washington. I like that move. But again, I don't know what it is about the Washington football team. People are just like drooling over the offseason that they've had. I'm like, okay, Fitz, Fitzpatrick, we know how I feel about that. Curtis Samuel, good player, underutilized in Carolina, I think is a really solid number two, maybe at best like a 1B type of receiver, but I don't think he has that overall. But he can do a lot of things on the field. I yeah. just – I wasn't as excited. I didn't think that was an incredible signing. And three-year deal, you're still paying him a lot of money. I'm a little hesitant. And Curtis Samuel was the running back at Ohio State when Terry McLaurin was a wide receiver. How about that? Yeah. The two of them, the two of them are good friends, and and that's really interesting as well. I, the one I guess I'm most curious about that has I think the highest upside is AJ Green going to Arizona, because if AJ uh, Green can stay healthy, I think he was done. I think he was just done with Cincinnati last year, especially when Joe Burrow went down. I well, think this the second a- that happened, he was just he was tired. He didn't want to be there anymore. He didn't want to be there last year. He got, I believe he got franchise tagged last year or had signed a one-year deal. I think he just wanted to be out of Cincinnati. And now he's getting to play. He doesn't have to be the number one guy. He's not going to get 100 targets. Yeah. You know, he's probably going to get like 65 that's, to 75 yeah. targets. That's what Vito but said he, a couple weeks ago. He get mm-hmm. 500 yards and retire. Like right off into the sunset. The but you get to go play as the number two receiver option to DeAndre Hopkins, right? Three. So, You're going to well, say number I mean, three? Larry, I, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, but Larry Fitzgerald's even a little more washed up, I think. Like AJ Green still has the physical attributes when he's healthy that Larry Fitzgerald doesn't. Plus, Larry Fitzgerald is just a slot receiver now. So, and if you're Kyler Murray and if you're a fan of the Cardinals, you should be super excited about this. Especially now Kenyon Drake's gone. So he gets a really lot, you get more touches to Chase Edmonds. Maybe you go out and you try to draft someone like a Travis Etienne, right? There's a lot of good running backs coming out this year, but it's kind of a top two and then it drops off a little bit. Um, Jarrett Patterson coming out of Buffalo. I would love to see him there. He'd be an awesome compliment to Chase Edmonds in that backfield. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's an interesting wide receiver class so far. Still some names out there. I mean, it's nice yeah. to see T.Y. going back to Indy. Again, as we had said before, I don't think he was ever going to leave Indy. I think it was Indy or retire for him. Yeah. But you kind of go down the rest of the list, that second-tier guys. Like, I love Marvin Jones going to Jacksonville. Yeah, me. I was just going to say that, man. That's such a good sign. That. Receiving core is so young and to bring in a veteran like Marvin Jones. Who, who's coming off of a really good year. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're going to bring in professionals to surround Trevor Lawrence a, a, in this new Jacksonville era. And, and that's exciting. I love Josh Reynolds and David Moore. Josh Reynolds going to Tennessee. David Moore going to Carolina. I love both of those signings. We don't know who's going to be throwing the ball yet in Carolina. Probably Teddy Bridgewater to start. But I think they're going to make a move up and draft Trey Lance or Justin Fields whoever they end up liking the most out of those two guys. So keep an eye out there. But there's some interesting names. I mean, the Aguilar one, yeah, he got paid. But, yeah, I mean, I think he got paid a little too much. I think he'll do well in New England. Uh, I had some theories in the mock draft episode. I think New England doesn't go after a quarterback in the first round. I think they go after either Kellen Mond late because he's kind of a similar body type, similar type of quarterback, very athletic, not the most accurate in the world. Uh, Texas A&M. Yeah, quarterback. thank you. Who's the Stanford one? I was, I've heard rumors about and that Davis one. Mills Davis was Mills was the other guy I said. Those are the two guys that I said I thought that you can get in the third round, more than likely, that would be really interesting fits in New England. And on top of that, like New England threw the whole value thing out the window when it came to free agency this year. 
I think they're going to lean into that heavily in the draft. And so if they do that, then, you know, they, maybe they trade back out of that 15 spot. That could be a really interesting piece. You know, if a team like, let's say, Chicago or Washington does want to go up and get their new franchise quarterback, they're going to have to move from the early 20s all the way up to, you know, the top six, seven, uh, in, into kind of being in that running up there. And they that seems like a logical kind of leapfrog moment uh, yeah. that I wouldn't be surprised to see either. Antonio other, still out there too. Antonio Brown, Sammy Watkins still out there. The one name here that I just, I already know this is going to happen. Deshaun Jackson's going to have a great year in Los Angeles. Oh, of course. He couldn't stay healthy for the last three years in fucking Philly. I've made the analogy before on the podcast. He's the Corvette that you had in high school that you, you pick up at your high school reunion to bring back and show off to your friends. And then it breaks yeah. down in the fucking parking lot. Yeah. That is who Deshaun Jackson is for the Eagles. But the second you Don't see worry. someone else driving it on the road, it's going to look fucking beautiful. And that is exactly what I think is going to happen. Don't worry. The Eagles will have gotten rid of Deshaun Jackson and um, Alshon Jeffrey, but they'll sign Golden Tate. Watch. Bring Golden Tate back after his six game stint with the Eagles. That's in, right. <laughs> in 20, 2018. I wouldn't hate it. He wasn't terrible. Uh, no, the Eagles need to go after Jamar Chase, and that needs to be a, the uh, the end of that conversation. All right, real quickly now on the tight ends and the O linemen before we take a quick break. Uh, there's only a couple names here, and in fact, there's and, actually and one. New England won them both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, we we talked about the Johnny Smith one when that happened when we first did our free agency pod a couple weeks ago. Uh, that's right. Uh, and then Hunter Henry then signed the next day, which we did not anticipate at all. I kind of love it to be honest. It's it's historically where Belichick has had his most success. It's actually the most efficient passing formation, 12 personnel, two tight ends, one running back on the field that they have in the NFL. Like, and that's NFL wide, not just for new England that goes across the board in the NFL. And you're having two, like Johnny Smith is a red zone machine. Hunter Henry is great at being able to stretch the field. The question is, can Hunter Henry stays healthy? Right. And Johnny Smith, I, I, I guess I'm curious about like the upside of Johnny Smith. Like, I think we know what like, Johnny Smith is. Yeah. And he this isn't going to be catch the ball. Like that's yeah. And, and he's, he, and he catches the balls in the, in the red zone really well. He can block. There's a lot of things I, I really like about Johnny Smith. I thought, I thought they overpaid for him a little bit. I mean, four years, $50 million. Like that's a steep contract. Um, but I, I really like this. The one thing though, is a lot of people have kind of alluded to the Gronk and Aaron Hernandez duo. Right. Serial killer aside, just football, Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. This is not Yikes. that, right? Like, like Aaron Hernandez, again, serial killer aside here, was a ridiculously good football player and was kind of one of these hybrid receiver tight ends yeah. way ahead of his time. Gronk did so much in the blocking game in addition to being a wide receiver. So you're kind of getting a watered down version here of, of John U. Smith is going to kind of be that Gronk who is good on the offensive line, will help you block in certain situations in two tight end sets, but will also be a valuable pass catching option. And then Hunter Henry will help you stretch the field a little bit. He's more of your, your receiver type tight end. Uh, so, you know, I think that'll be an interesting fit there for New England. Yeah. The, other, the other name on this list, because I'll be honest, like Jared Cook to the Chargers, and we saw like Jared Cook drops a lot of balls. Like he just, he is like, he's the reason that they lost that game. The, the saints lost that game to the Eagles last year because the dude just can't catch. He's never been super reliable. Kyle Rudolph at 31 to the giants to be I, well, that kind of second is, option though, to Evan Ingram. I mean, that's a similar type stack to, I mean, albeit older, but a similar type stack to that, that yeah. 12 personnel. 
Definitely. Um, You're right. Kyle Rudolph is a red zone machine too. Um, mm-hmm. And, and really and smart Ingram player. Can, good, good blocker. Yeah. And Ingram and, can take the top off. And he's but, a, yeah. Ingram's an, an insane athlete. Uh, two sneaky tight end sightings though, that I, I want to bring up here. Gerald Everett to the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, yeah I really, I, I think that's awesome because Gerald Everett, I felt under, uh, underperformed in, in the, uh, with the uh, Rams last year. I, I, and part of that might've been Jared Goff. Part of that might be schematically because of the, the system that they run there, but we know that the Seahawks and Russell Wilson love tight ends. So if Russ does come back, I think that could be a sneaky, I don't think it's going to like completely change anything. Like I don't think it makes Seattle all of a sudden the favorite in the NFC West, but I think it is a nice pickup there, uh, especially on a one-year deal. The other guy, speaking of Seattle tight ends, Jacob Hollister going to Buffalo. And that's the one piece that they've missed, right? They had, or they've had, uh, oh, who's the tight end in Buffalo? Uh, Croft just left. Oh, Croft, but, yeah. Yeah, and but he just left. Knox, David Knox. Knox. Uh, yeah. yeah, so you, you have Knox there, who again has shown some flashes. I love Jacob Hollister. I think he's a guy who does a lot of the dirty work. You can bring him back into the backfield as a fullback. I think he would be, I think he's going to be an awesome fit there in Buffalo. The one name. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Another guy like that. I was going to bring up is Dan Arnold signing with Carolina. Uh, Yeah. Similar type guy. He showed some flashes there in Arizona. Uh, Arizona needs a tight end, but that actually kind of brings me into this. the, The one name I wanted to talk about here with tight ends is everyone thought Zach Ertz was going to be on the move by now. Everyone thought, okay, he's going to go to Indianapolis. Well, doesn't seem like he's going to Indianapolis. Everyone thought he's going to go, uh, and and the Eagles are not going to just flat out release him. Like he's he's said that he will play under his current contract for the Eagles, but he wants to be traded. I think there's a good chance we see Zach Ertz come back with the Eagles. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's um, likely to happen. I wouldn't say it's the favorite, right? I wouldn't bet on it, but I think there is a chance that he might end up coming back because people thought he'd be a great fit out with the Chargers. Right, the Chargers now have Jared Cook. People thought Buffalo was going to be a great pickup. Well, they just signed Jacob Hollister. Uh, I, I don't know where Zach Ertz ends up, but I could definitely see him just hanging tight and staying with Philly. Ultimately, I think I think he'll probably get traded and maybe get released closer to camp. Uh, in which case, I think he would just sign for for a cheap deal with the Colts. But he wants a chance to win, and I get it. I love Zach Ertz. He's he's been one of my favorite Eagles for a long long time he's been with the eagles for a really long time i believe he's the longest him and brand or brendan graham i think has like two years on him uh but they came out right around the same time so yeah we'll we'll see what happens there where would you like to see zach Ertz uh, end up in, in a perfect world san francisco um no uh <laughs> no we got I mean, uh, we got gk but that would be sick actually it would be. <laughs> if you talk about two tight end sets and both of them are freaking receivers <laughs> um no i think well, I think staying in, in Philly. Um, the only other place I could see him really, like, realistically going as a free agent, or if they cut, allow him to walk, or cut him or whatever, is uh, is going to Chicago. His wife plays there. Hmm. They have a need for a tight end. They've always liked pass catching tight ends in Chicago. Go um, hang out with have, Nick Foles. Yeah, they will. <laughs> yeah, so re- rekindle their relationship from 2018. Oh. Um, that's the only big one I can think of. I, I think Arizona yeah. would be interesting. Arizona, yeah, yeah, that would be uh, yeah. Yeah, and a spread in a spread offense like that. 
you know, if, if you line up in a, a four-wide four receiver set and one of them is Zach Ertz and it's A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, and Zach Ertz, I'm telling you now, if you told me that lineup would exist in, like, 2015, I think everyone would be like, holy shit, like, yeah. that is terrifying. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I don't know what ends up happening with Zach Ertz, but it's an interesting storyline that I think a lot of people thought he was going to move on from, from Philly by now, and we just haven't seen it yet. But that being said, Still a lot of time left before shit really gets going here. All right, offensive line quickly here. Uh, there's not a whole lot of storylines. I think your Niners made the biggest splash here. Whew. How are you feeling? I know that was your your number one, bringing back Trent Williams. Six years, record-breaking deal. Yeah, yeah. And did you hear the story? He was uh, he was minutes away from signing with the Chiefs. Uh, really? Until Kyle, Kyle Shanahan made a phone call uh at the 11th hour and uh and re he re-signed with uh with the 49ers thank you trent i love you um and then <laughs> on top of that uh that's that's a position that the that we needed big help in right i mean the cornerbacks and and defense all the defensive backs frankly but we've we've ended up bringing back a lot of these uh these guys uh on in the secondary on one-year deals short deals um and and bringing back Trent Williams was obviously a priority. Um, so glad we got him. And then shoring up that, that offensive line, they, they signed Alex Mack uh, to a, to a short-term deal as well. So um, bringing the Mack attack back to the Bay area, he went to Cal and uh, go. One of the most underrated offensive linemen we've had oh, in the yeah. NFL for the last can, 10 years. He I mean, can play, the, the, he can play all across the line. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I mean, he was awesome in, in Cleveland. He was all, and he played really well in Atlanta last Atlanta, year. Yeah, he just played yeah. for a bad team, you know? Yeah. Uh, the other, I guess, storylines here. I mean, yes, the, the Trent Williams thing is huge. You're talking about a guy who's going to sure up that, that side of the line. I mean, six years for a guy who's 32. I mean, we've seen older guys, even like Jason Peters uh, was still Joe pretty Staley productive. for us. Mm -hmm. Joe Staley was there. God. Yeah. He was there forever. Yeah. Um, I think we're seeing that more and more. Uh, guys who can play that position because those guys in a lot of cases are the most athletic guys you have on your team there's not a whole lot of guys who can be six 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 seven weigh 330 pounds and have faster feet than you know a lot of defensive linemen yeah like that that is that's pretty insane they have feet like cats man it, it's it's really wild uh, but i guess the other kind of names here don't want to say i told you so but i think we all kind of knew it was happening it was going to be kyle long going to uh kansas city i still have not taken a, a hot shower you can see on the screen right now i look like a sweaty mess good radio uh i'm hot and bothered at all times yeah for kyle i bet you are of kyle long man i, <laughs> I love that dude but it wasn't just kyle long that they signed in fact the better the arguably the better player that they picked up was joe tooney yeah who was a franchise tag by the patriots last year is an all pro caliber offensive lineman. He can play guard. He probably will end up playing guard for them. So depending on what they decide to do with Kyle Long, they're still going to be weak at the offensive tackle position after getting rid of Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Yeah. But this offensive tackle class in the draft is loaded. And if they yeah. bring in, let's say like a Russell Okung, right? Or even Villanueva, I can't really see anyone else getting, you know, really making a difference there but you bring in a veteran and you draft a guy there towards the end of the first round like it's a very very deep offensive tackle class this year uh we know uh walker little is the guy that Vito loves the six seven yeah. six eight dude out of stanford hasn't played football in like two and a half years i don't know maybe that's a red flag for some people but uh look i trust andy reed 
I trust that front office and Andy Reid more than I trust any other team in football right now. Uh, more than Tampa Bay, more than New England, more than any other team. I trust Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs and the job that that front office has done over the last few years. I mean, you might make the argument Buffalo from what they've shown, but I mean, for the most part, man, what they've done back to back Super Bowls, three consecutive AFC championship games. It's hard to doubt them. It's hard to question the, the job that they've done, especially after, you know, taking the gamble on, on Patrick Mahomes. So uh, let's take a, let's take a quick break. What do you say? Let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to switch over to the defensive side of the ball, a little less action, some lesser known names, some interesting D line guys, linebackers been quiet and uh, the cornerback defensive backfield has been a little quiet too. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come right back here on the read option. Time to transition. My friend, you know what they say, man, defense wins championships. They do say that. It's true. Free agency doesn't, historically, but uh, defense does win championships. And there are some, not a whole lot on the defensive side of the ball. Cornerback D-line, we've seen some interesting signings. Uh, Jadavian Clowney's still out there. He's meeting with the Cleveland Browns as we speak right now. Oh Six, 6.30, Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday evening, rather. Uh, Jadavian Clowney, that would be a whole lot of fun. But for the guys that have signed couple of names right off the top. We talked about Shaq Barrett, four-year deal, staying with Tampa Bay. Yannick Ngakwu going to the Vegas Raiders. Still feels weird saying that. Uh, Judon, yeah. Matt Judon going to the Patriots. Love that signing. I think we were all on board with that. J.J. Watt going to Arizona. Uh, but those are what? kind of the f- – yeah, I know. It's, I know it's been a while. Uh, by the way, that is our most listened to podcast as of right now is the mock draft and – the J.J. Watt going to Arizona podcast. So thank you, everybody, for checking that one keep, out. Keep an ear out for Mock Draft 2.0. Oh, absolutely. We know it's coming. Once free agency really settles down, we're going to run that whole motherfucker back. Probably a little bit faster than we did the first time, though, uh, especially now that we know the names and, and have done a little more work and, and research into that. But after those top four, which we've kind of known about now for at least since free agency started, there have been a few other really interesting signings. Uh, the, the first one that jumps out to me was my favorite and I think the most undervalued guy in this free agency class, which is Carl Lawson oh, signing yeah. a three-year deal with the New York Jets. Uh, after that, Trey Hendrickson, four-year deals with Cincinnati. So before yeah, we get like into the – Like like, yeah. Uh, well, that's what I was just going to say, man. <laughs> you know, we'll get into the other names here in a second, but how do you like, – do you think that's a net gain or a net loss here for the Bengals? Yes, you lose Carl Lawson, who's a year younger – but Trey Hedrickson was a little more productive when it came to stats last year, though it was really the only time in his career that we've seen Trey Hendrickson have any sort of production at the defensive end position. Yeah. I, to me, it's a like for like, it really is. Um, it's, it's a net gain of zero, which is totally fine because they're both great players. Um, I don't think he brings any skills to the table that Carl Lawson didn't give you in Cincinnati. Um, I think if you're asking what team needs it the most right now, it's obviously going to be the Jets because they need help everywhere. Um, So that, that was a big sign for them. Um, But Hendrickson, man, he was lights out last year in New Orleans. Like that was, that was a big loss for them. And one of the casualties of that, that salary cap hell, hell it's, is there, if there's a level deeper than hell, uh, New Orleans Saints salary cap is in it. Um, but yeah, but Trey Hendrickson, great player. Uh, uh, he's, he, he is. And I guess my concern with Hendrickson was, did, did he hit his ceiling last year? I, I don't think so. I really don't. 
playing in that New Orleans defense with that incredible secondary behind him, great linebackers. It'd be a Cam Jordan on the other side. Like, well, that's a big part of it too. Cam Jordan on the other side, uh, Davenport was there too. And look, Trey Hendrickson earned this money. He earned this contract. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but he was a grit and grind kind of DN for his first few years in the league. Then he bursts out and have an amazing, has an amazing season. And that's a trend that we see happen with defensive ends pretty regularly. They have one really big season and a contract year. They get signed to their next one. Like he kind of reminds me of like Chris Long, you know, Chris Long had a bunch of really good sack seasons with the Rams on bad teams. Uh, and, and now he signs a four-year deal with Cincinnati, but Chris Long was a valuable player every year he went. And even though yeah. as his career went on, he wasn't putting up double digit sacks like he did at some of his peak seasons, he was still a productive player. And I think that's, I guess what you hope to get out of Trey Hendrickson uh, with, with Carl Lawson though, there's a like Carl Lawson does everything. Well, there's there's not a part of being a pass rusher that he is underdeveloped or bad at. He just doesn't excel at anything in particular. So maybe there is a higher ceiling with Trey Hendrickson after what they saw this year. Obviously, you get him for less money on a longer contract. I think that probably plays a little part of this too. And like you said, the Jets had the money. The Jets had yeah. as much cap space as they wanted. They could overpay for a guy like Carl Lawson to come in and be a potential anchor on that defensive line. You know, Carl Lawson is a, a quicker, speedier Brandon Graham where he can do some things in the running game. He can, you know, play a little bit inside. He has got, he's got great moves. And this is again, all stuff I learned from Chris Long's podcast, but he's got, he's got a complete arsenal of tools when it comes to pass rushing, whether it's his chop, his spin move, his first step, he can bull rush a little bit. There's a lot of stuff I like about Carl Lawson. Uh, and, and I think it's an awesome signing for the Jets. Oh yeah, no doubt. Couple of other names here uh, that I think a lot of people were interested in as far as edge rushers. And this is kind of where we're focusing on right now. Bud Dupree going to Tennessee. Tennessee was in desperate need of pass rush last year, despite having Jadavian Clowney, who I think at this point, we just kind of know Jadavian Clowney. He's a physical freak. He's going to get a lot of double teams. You know, that opens up some other stuff. But if you don't have other quality pass rushers around him, then Jadavian Clowney is kind of useless. Which uh, you double which is, him and then he's, you know, he's kind of out of the equation. It's a good reason for him to go back to Tennessee uh, at this juncture. After I would agree. having signed Bud Dupree um, and you pair him with uh, Jadavian Clowney, that's where Clowney excels. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, and, and I don't think we'll see that. I think Jadavian Clowney will eventually obviously sign somewhere, but I think the way that the league has treated Clowney over the last couple of years kind of shows you what the league thinks. It's just like, look, we think you're a good player, but we're not we're not going to pay you pre premier pass rushing numbers because you don't put up premier pass rushing numbers. You're not going to get the contract to warrant it. And unfortunately, that is it does kind of suck because it means you're going to have guys like Brandon Graham, who has until this year had never had a double digit sack season. You know, they're they're going to be underpaid throughout the majority of their career. Uh, but Jadavian Clowney, I just I think the league thinks of him as a valuable player, but not as valuable as he views himself. And as a former number one overall pick, that's kind of what he expects. You know, we talk about how us in the media talk about guys like that. Right. We. We attribute that where he got drafted to his name. Jadavian Clowney's kind of doing that to himself. He views himself as an elite level talent, and maybe he would be in the right situation. You put him on in a team like, I don't know, like Philly even, where you would have Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham working on the inside. You have a bunch of really good pass rushers, and then he will get more one-on-one -on -one options and could kind of be the guy he was early in his career when he had J.J. Watt on the opposite side of him there in Houston. Uh, but I, I don't want to go too much down the Jadavian Clowney rabbit hole here because there are some other names – you hit it. I love the uh, Bud Dupree, but 
You called this, Scotty. Kyle Van Noy returning to the New England Patriots. I loved that call. It's Jamie Collins all over again. And I think that might be the sneaky best signing that New England had all year or all all offseason, I guess. Yeah, Uh, I did call that. Thank you. Um, But, but uh, yeah, that's that's just, it it seemed like that was one of those gut decisions to me. I was like, you know, that would make sense. Um, So, uh, especially since I feel like on a personal level, right? He felt maybe a little disrespected after um, New England just kind of let him go after, and that was in a swath of of moves that they made to let uh, to let people go on their team, old guard and new, including the uh, the greatest quarterback ever, Thomas J. Brady. I don't know his middle name, Brady. Um, I think it is J. Actually, and, oh wow, how about that? And um, be and then signing signing with uh, Miami, uh, which was both a power move to join a, a good defense that was, as we saw last year, becoming a great defense. Uh, and your al- defensive coordinator. And also a big fuck you to New England going to that division. Well, and look, uh, but, get your bag, man. Like, they, yeah. they paid him, like, $65 million. So, like, yo, yeah. dude, go go get your money. Like, and you wanted- that position, you get offered a contract like that, like, go get it, man. You've and earned you, it. You can't you turn had- that down. He did earn it. And you want to talk disrespect, then Miami just cuts him loose for no goddamn reason at all. Well, he wasn't very that- good. <laughs> Well, that was a great defense, though. Uh, it he was. was. He was decent on a great defense. Like I take for that what they were going to pay him versus like what yeah. the the cap hit was going to be if they cut him loose. I understand, and I think as we saw them go out and sign Will Fuller, if you can, I think you can replicate what Kyle Van Noy did easier than what Will Fuller can do. And and the Will Fuller thing, we actually didn't talk about this, but real quick, really curious to see what that means for how Miami drafts because now they have Devonte Parker and Will Fuller. So then where like, are they? A lot of people have them drafting someone like Devontae Smith if they trade back to like number eight, like Mel Kuyper, right? Go after Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, maybe even Jalen Waddle, depending on where they end up drafting in the first round. Uh, it's it's going to be really interesting to kind of see there. Uh, I guess a couple other names here. Leonard Floyd getting a four-year deal with the Rams. Huge, huge. That's, that's underrated to for, me. For the Rams. To, to yeah. bring him back from where they were in that cap situation, restructuring, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey's contract to allow that to happen was massive. They lost yeah. John Johnson in the secondary, and we'll get there in a second. But uh, a couple other quick names that are still on the board. Melvin Ingram, he's a guy who I think can yeah. end up being a real factor on a team. Uh, and they'll pro- it seems as though they're going to get him on a discount. Uh, Carlos Dunlap's still out there. Justin Olivier Houston. Vernon. Olivier Vernon. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan still probably has even a little bit left in the tank if we're talking about the, the guys who can kind of – sub in and you know play only you know 25 percent of snaps in the game but can give you 25 really really productive snaps in that you know he may not i said 25 percent, but you know what i mean like if if you're gonna have 65 snaps on the field he may end up only playing 17 to 18 snaps but he's gonna give you a really solid 17 or 18 snaps and then some of these other guys like solomon thomas going to the raiders maybe they can yeah. do something resurrect his career uh, he's but, from the area by the way did you know yeah, that? you're yeah. from philly yeah yeah he is uh and you have vic beasley's had a couple you know he had a really big year signs a big contract didn't work out now he's on the street uh we'll, we'll see what ends up happening still some watch, interesting names to watch, watch out Let's, for watch out for there's two guys uh there's two guys that to watch out for samuel abukum who signed with the 49ers or samson abukum sorry uh what are the underrated guys on the outside there that with the Rams that's coming over this year? And then uh, the, the other guy 
um, that I think might go well is Hassan Reddick signing in Carolina. Um, watch out for him. He's a, he's not very good in the pass game, but uh, watch out for him on in the run game. He's a run stuffer, and and uh, with the development of guys like Etor Gross Matos, he's a true pass rusher on the edge. Um, they they could be dangerous in the run game. Absolutely. Just want to apologize. It seems as though someone is blowing leaves outside of my house right now. I don't know what's going on, but there's an annoying sound. So if you hear it on the pod, my apologies. Uh, let's move down now to the interior side of the defensive line. Nadamik and Sue is in current conversations. Looks like he's probably going to go back to Tampa Bay, but they're hammering out some details. It looks like, but Leonard Williams is kind of the headliner here going staying with the giants. He got tagged, but then they were able to work out a long-term deal three years. It's like, it's like close to $60 million. Yeah. Uh, and I know you had some Leonard Williams thoughts here. Hit me with what you, what you think of the Leonard Williams signing going back to the New York giants. It's just, it's overpaid. Like and granted that's a pre a primo position, right? Uh, three years, 61 million. He's getting $21 million a year. Leonard Williams has 8.7% pressure rate when he's lined up on the interior defensive line. And he hasn't tapped 55 pressures in his career. So he's a great run defender, right? And, but he's not going to get after the quarterback. And you're paying a guy $21 million a year. Like, it just seems like an overpayment to me. It's a great sign. I think they needed a guy like Leonard Williams. And he's, got, he's still young. He's got a lot of potential um, still left. I mean, in he's the, only 26, in, right? Exactly. So he's number three I, overall pick in the draft. Doing it again. God damn it. It's, <laughs> it's a fine sign. It's, 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 it was one of those New York needed to do it, and they did. So big deal. I think he's overpaid, but that's all. I mean, he is, but again, like if, if he can be one of the premier run stuffing defensive tackles in football, th- there's just not a value you can put on that. Like there, there really you, isn't. And you, if you're, but you can, if you don't have anyone else on that line, that's pressuring the quarterback. Like the success of Tampa Bay was the fact that they had two guys on the interior who could stuff the run and two guys out on the edge who can get to the quarterback. New York doesn't have that as of right now, but where they're drafting number 11 overall, I I think they're in a great spot to be able to try to pull something off. I mean, in fact, Mel Kuyper's mock draft has them taking Quiddy Pay at number 11 oh, overall. Yeah. I love Quiddy Pay. And oh. I, I know you do. Big 10, you're a Big 10 guy. You're a Big 10 defender. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think, I don't know. Except in the I, tournament. If they can, yeah. Uh, I just think that if they get the opportunity to, if you get the opportunity to bring someone like that who, who does damage against the run, just clogs up, like Vince Wilfork, right? Like, what were Vince Wilfork's pass rushing numbers? Probably not great, no, but that but doesn't is. mean that doesn't mean that he. I mean, yes, he's a lot bigger than Leonard Williams, and the game's <laughs> changed. You. But they're just. I mean, Leonard Williams can be just as efficient when it comes to stopping the run. You know, especially in that defense that they play there up in New York, and and you know, Joe Judge has done a, did a really good job, and, and one of the big reasons why was Leonard Williams coming over there mid season last year, switching locker rooms from the Jets over to the Giants. So I think it's a smart yeah. move. Yeah, they probably overpaid him a little bit, just like they overpaid Kenny Galladay. But you got to remember this too, Scott. The front office and the head and the head coach probably not in jeopardy. But Dave Gettleman, his job might be on the line there up in New York, right? David and, Football Gettleman. <laughs> and this, this is the make or break year for Danny Dimes. So you have to spend yeah. everything you have yeah. to figure out whether or not he is your guy or not. Otherwise. You're going to have to look to move on from them because there are no excuses left. You're going to have Saquon. You're going to have great wide receivers on the outside. You have invested in the offensive line. I still think Andrew Thomas was a miss last year at number four overall. 
But you bring in Leonard Williams. Yeah, you overpaid him a little bit. But I think what he does is it's one of those things that can't necessarily be quantified. And, and I think he's a really valuable player. Uh, a couple other names here. Derek Wolf. Sorry, Vito, your man. He is yeah. re-signing three-year deals with Baltimore. I didn't think he was going to leave. I thought that was more or less a slam dunk. And then the only other name here that really kind of jumps out to me is Sheldon Rankins going to the New York Jets. Uh, really underrated player, similar to Leonard Williams. Does a great job in the run stuff game. He's only 26. And again, if you're the Jets, you have all this cap space. You can get him for a pretty decent price. The upside, you see what you have. And if it works out, then cool. You sign him to a long-term extension. But at the very least, you can you control his second year, and you can see how that ultimately will end up uh, playing out for him. Quickly here, let's move on uh, to the linebacker position. The top two guys undoubtedly were Levante David and Matt Milano, both re-signed with Tampa Bay and Buffalo, respectfully. But there are still some names that are you know floating around out there, uh, most notably being Quan Alexander and K.J. Wright. Not sure where we're going to see them. My gut tells me KJ Wright is going to stay in Seattle. Yeah. They're going to work out some sort of deal. Pete Carroll loves his guys. He's been there a long time. He's 31, so he probably only has a couple of really productive years left in him. Yeah, I would expect me to too. see him. And look, if, if someone's willing to pay him the money, you know, I said this when we talked about the kind of dream free agents for our teams a couple of weeks ago, I would love to see Philly have KJ Wright, but I just don't think it's in the cards for the Eagles this year. Uh, and I guess the one other name, I mean, Quan Alexander, Quan, yeah. someone, how has he hung around this long? I, he must I would be love to bring him for, back. The Niners traded him last season to yeah. New Orleans. I, I, I don't understand. It's either a locker room thing with him where people are just, it's a weird fit or there's concerns about him as a locker room guy, or he's asking for too much money. It's, it's got to be one of the two. We never had a problem. It's got to be the money. But there, he was never a, a locker room issue in San Francisco at least when he was here with us. I don't know about Tampa Bay before that, um, <clears throat> but it's got to be a money issue, man. He's too good on the field to to not be, you know, getting primetime money. Yeah, he played so well for New Orleans down the stretch last year. Yeah. I'd, I'd be hard-pressed yeah. if he didn't end up signing uh, some more. And then the one guy who did sign, which I thought was an excellent re-signing, was Jayon Brown coming back. One-year deal with Tennessee – uh, he was one of the few bright spots on that Tennessee defense. He had to do a lot. So hopefully if they bring in some other pieces around him, you know, maybe he can have a, a bigger impact as far as, you know, what he can do uh, in, in terms of numbers and productivity from that uh, inside linebacker position. Uh, a couple of, I mean, LJ Fort's out there. Ru- Ruben Foster is one that sticks Ruben out to Foster. me. Ruben Foster. I mean, yeah. but remember all the shit with him, dude. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Same thing with Michael Kendricks. I, I don't know. Nate Gary, see ya, have fun. Um, Shaquem Griffin is hanging around there too. I yeah. uh, would love to see that. Sean Lee at 34 years old. Oh, yeah. You know, Man, maybe, <laughs> I, dude's never been able to stay healthy, but I know. You know he had a phenomenal career in Dallas when he was healthy, especially in his younger years. Would love to see him get a chance. To, there's, there's, I always wanted to root back for to him. Pennsylvania. Uh, he might go to, to Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. No way he goes to Philly after playing in Dallas. I, not after, yeah. But maybe so. Pittsburgh. But yeah, maybe Pittsburgh. Though Pittsburgh's in some. He's a Pittsburgh well. guy. He is. Uh, let's swing back now to the secondary. Uh, safety has been a little. Nah, there's some interesting stuff there. We'll get to there. But we're going to start with the cornerbacks. We touched on it earlier. William Jackson signs a three-year deal with the Washington Football season. He was the best pure cornerback out there this year, uh, and I think he's going to come in and have an immediate impact. The one nice thing is uh, my former classmate. 
Jimmy Moreland uh, used to hang out, did oh, some wow. group, did some group projects with him from the, he's now playing for the Washington football team. Nice. They've had him playing, you know, spread like far out corner on the outside. They're going to be able to bring him in, play a little more nickel at, which is, I think where he thrives more in the NFL. And then you can put William Jackson, you're, you, you know, he's not Darius Slay, right? Like when the Eagles went out and got Darius Slay last year, he's not one of those guys, just these pure shutdown corners, but he's a really, really good cornerback. He's one of the best yeah. out there. I thought that was an excellent signing by Washington. The Titans, CB South. Yeah, well, JMU. Oh, he's a yeah. classmate at JMU. I thought you were talking about CB South. No, 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 no. I, I was in, I was in classes with him, and I'll <laughs> never forget first day of class. We all had to like stand up and say like your name, where you're from, and like what you wanted to do in the industry. And he stood up, and he weighed, I don't know, maybe 160 pounds. And dude was small as hell. And he said, "I'm Jimmy Moreland." I'm from uh, Virginia beach and I'm going to be an NFL cornerback and no bullshit, dude. I, I laughed under my breath and the dude, the dude proved me. It, it made me an idiot and, and more credit to him. Uh, all-time, go, Jim leader, all-time leader in interceptions there for, for the JMU Dukes was a <laughs> hell of a college football player. Uh, he had a stretch where I think he had five pick sixes in like six games. It was, it was unbelievable. Pound for pound, the best defense I've ever seen in my life. 2017, James Madison University of the Dukes. Anyway, Patrick Peterson going to Minnesota, going home as Scotty educated me on a little bit earlier. It's only 30 he was a years ball old. Boy, there once. That's crazy. Only yeah. 30 years old. I really thought he was older I, than that. It's same with Xavier Rhodes too. I I feel like they've been in the league forever. Yeah, and they're only 30. Yeah, it, it's pretty wild. Minnesota is an interesting you- choice, only because I don't know. I mean. They already had an okay defense. I mean, the defense let them down a lot last uh, year. Uh, yeah. Um, but Mike Zimmer's, no Mike Zimmer's a, a, an interest is, is a defensive guy. He's always been. So we'll see what that does for that. The back end of the secondary there, Shaq Griffin, Shaquille Griffin going to Jacksonville. I like love, that. Love that signing. Uh, I thought it was an absolute steal to get Shaq Griffin there. Uh, and again, like there's just smart signings by Jacksonville, these teams in Jacksonville and the jets, Normally, dysfunctional organizations had the most cap space, and yet they've been very conservative with their money. And I, I, to be honest, I'm really impressed. Meanwhile, the Patriots, who are always the most conservative with their free agency money, are spending like they're using their dad's, you know, you know, Visa black card. That's just unlimited <laughs> credit, right? So I, I love what Jacksonville's done so far. A couple of great signings. So I would like to see them do a little more, but I think they're looking to build in the draft and they know that this is more of a, Hey, we're not going to, even with Trevor Lawrence this year, we're not going to be an immediate, you know, 10 win team come through the door. Uh, what I think here is though, the, the best signing out of this whole group. And I still don't quite understand why Chicago let him go was Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller. Oh yeah. Den- well, Denver Bears. won the cornerback game. Oh my God. Did Ka- I mean, with the exception of Ronald Darby, who uh, Ronald Darby, uh, but uh, Kyle Fuller, hell of a signing, hell of a pickup for an already very good defense with yeah. a defensive minded head coach. And they were able to Thanks. re-sign uh, Justin Simmons to a long-term deal. He's not playing under the tag. He's got a four-year deal now to stay. I'm sure our man Vito is stoked about that. Oh, Love yeah. that pickup. Any other names? Obviously, Richard Sherman has yet to find a home. Any other names that we're missing here? Oh, I guess a Dory Jackson is, is yeah, the Yeah, Dory Jackson, yeah. Going to the Giants, who before this past year, throughout the first three years of his career, was a top four PFF-graded cornerback. So 
we we could see a resurgence maybe there playing in in New York, but he's going to have to be the lead guy there for the Giants. Uh, and, and a couple other names, I'm Malcolm Butler is a free Malcolm Butler, like thirty one already. Malcolm Jesus Butler Christ. and Bashad Breland are the two guys on my list that aren't signed yet. That uh, Bashad Breland, yeah, Super Bowl yeah. winner, Super Bowl. Yeah. Winner. <clears throat> All right, last position group Virginia here. Tech. <laughs> yeah, last position group here. We have safety. Uh, not a whole lot to talk about. John Johnson was the was the top dog, I think, going to Cleveland, three-year deal. That makes that defense get even better. And if they are able to add Jadavian Clowney to be on the opposite side of Miles Garrett, Vito's, Vito's theory might come true, man. Yeah. Cleveland is, is priming <laughs> yeah. themselves up for a big run. Uh, Marcus Williams got franchise tag. We talked about that before. Justin Simmons, we just hit on. Anthony Harris, one-year deal with the Eagles, the only free agent signing I was able to get somewhat excited about here. I don't know. Joe Flacco doesn't really move the needle for me. Uh, but the, the, the one name here. <laughs> really? Yeah, believe it or not. The one name here that is, is to me the most fascinating is Keanu Neal. And not because – I mean, I like Keanu Neal. He's only 25. He's not playing safety for them. He's playing outside linebacker. Yeah. He's transitioning wow. positionally – down to play outside linebacker, which I think is with his injury history, he's not, he doesn't have the speed he had coming out of college, which he was a stud his first couple of years there in Atlanta uh, before he got hurt seriously. And he unfortunately had an Achilles and then an ACL tear in back-to-back seasons. So he's clearly lost a step speed wise, but you bring him into the outside linebacker spot, he's going to be able to cover tight ends. Like I love that pickup and I hate that it's Dallas, but I love the idea of him playing outside linebacker. I think it's a slam dunk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I And the only other names that really jump out to me at safety are like Trey Boston. And even that is like, eh, you yeah. know, he's, he had a down stint in Carolina. And I don't know if it was just because that defense was going through it. Um, Malik Hooker is interesting. Yeah. Kenny Vaccaro is interesting. Tayshawn Gibson might have a little bit left depending on the situation. But, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Outside of the top here, Dean Marlowe, a former JMU Duke, he's singing around there. He had a really good year in Buffalo, uh, and he's only 28, which is crazy. Whiskey's like heart? I, like, that's that's it. <laughs> Not a whole lot out there right now. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of it. And we can look through here. There are some restricted free agents that are interesting. Uh, Gus Edwards looks like he's going back to Baltimore. Gus Bus. We'll see what the Eagles do with Boston Scott. We've seen some interesting things with Scott over the year. My man, the CB South Titan, Josh Adams, re-signed a one-year deal to go back to the New York Jets. Titans. Hey, you know, uh, I know a teacher there at CB South. As do I. He might be my brother-in-law. Uh, one day. <laughs> one day. Well, we'll see. Uh, and uh, the one name here, though, that I actually think is worth mentioning, and I mean, there's other ones that are relatively worth mentioning, but Tim Patrick. Caught the second-round tender there oh, wow. for the Denver Broncos. He had a really good year this year, a breakout year. It was a complete anomaly compared to what he had been putting up. Uh, I really like that pickup. Uh, if he stays oh, in Denver, yeah. I would like it. But if if another team wants to sign him, the whole second-round tender thing means that then they would get a second-round pick back in return. So I would expect to see Tim Patrick Bobby Tons. staying. Yes, I would expect to see him staying there. Uh, in Denver. So yeah, uh, Robert Tunyon on that list too, man. That's yes, crazy. He is. Uh, and, and a smart decision there. If you have Robert Tunyon, who was what second in touchdown catches for tight ends last year. Uh, yeah. Maybe of all receivers, you, actually <laughs> you, you bring him back. Uh, you, and look, that number is definitely going to drop, but there, there's a lot to like about what Robbie Tunyon did with the green Bay Packers last year. All right. Enough football talk. 
we covered it all. Hope you guys took notes because you're going to forget about half of I what didn't. we said. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to forget about half of what we said here uh, in about five months as we start to get ready for the NFL season to start. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to fill out our second chance brackets. Cause let's be honest, all of our brackets got fucked to death and uh, Busted. we need, we need some redemption. We need something to make ourselves feel good about ourselves here uh, with the whole NCAA tournament, March Madness. And we will yes, be back please. here in one second. All right. It is now madness time. Once again, we've done a ton of March Madness content on this podcast, but look, it's been two years. Never since enough. We had it. It's not, it honestly isn't, especially after not having it for as long as we did. Scotty, I talked at nauseum about it on the pod yesterday or on Tuesday. Why don't you give me your recap briefly here before we, we do our second chance tournament challenge or whatever the fuck they call it there on ESPN. Give me some of your uh, reactions to what we saw over the last, uh, I don't know, what, four days, five days? Yeah, I'll tell you what. The, term, the tournament itself has just been phenomenal overall. Mm -hmm. uh, just great basketball up and down. And as I told you guys before, I take the uh, the – the first and second round games off so i was sitting there on friday i had four tvs set up i got one on cbs one on true tv one on tbs and one on uh, tnt and four tvs right in front of me it looked like a command center and i sat down and i watched as much basketball as i possibly could uh until it was it basketball overload and i loved it. oh oh yeah and, and especially again without it having it for for uh a year last year uh it was it was great to to be back in the saddle again i did however lose a little bit of money not a lot but i had a nine-way parlay that i hit on eight of the or seven of the not or, yeah seven of the seven games i was a perfect seven for seven and we get to saturday oh, and i had uc santa barbara beating creighton outright and they lost by one point and all i needed was that and oklahoma to cover which they did to win. I I've laid down. It was twenty to win twelve k, and I I've lost everything on that. Why game. didn't you hedge? I said this before I, we were recording. I know. Why didn't you I, hedge? I hedging was, is okay if you lay a nine way parlay and you hit the first seven. Yeah, I should. And not only that, it. you it was like what the first or second game on Sunday was or on Saturday was the Creighton and UC Santa Barbara game. Yeah, yeah, dude, you got to hedge. It was. And the thing is, because that's okay. Because at that point, you're like ready for it going in. Like, yeah. oh man. And I was back and forth between taking the spread, which uh, it would have covered either way. I would have taken it, and um, and going on uh, on the uh, straight up to pick Santa Barbara, and I ended up taking them straight up, and they lost by one. So I lost out on ten thousand dollars <sighs> by one uh, two points. So there's always a reason to hate Creighton. I've said it for years. Not really, but I do feel that way. There's always a yeah. reason well, to hate Well, UC Santa Barbara's dead to me. They played so terrible at the end of the game. If you're a Gauchos they played fan, well. I mean, come on, man. Yourself. Come on, man. The Gauchos played really, really well. We were pretty spot on in our, in our breakdown of them. Well, look, Creighton, was, Creighton got hot, man. They When when they're hitting threes and you're working – I mean, because because UC Santa Barbara was able to get to the rack as, as much as they wanted throughout the whole game. But as we've learned, especially with analytics and basketball over the last couple of years, which is crazy, it took us this long, three is worth more than two. So when a team's lights out from three, like Creighton can be, you know, that's just what happens. It, it sucks, yeah. but three is exponentially bigger than two. It's it's crazy how that works. Uh, yeah, by, by but one, Creighton, which is how much I lost out on $10,000. Oh, okay. Well, besides that, 
Uh, it was an amazing week and and month. I don't know, but do you like the Monday games? I loved the Monday games. I did. I thought it, it made was the an extra day. I took off of work. Easier. It was fantastic. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But the thing is, uh, yesterday I was sitting there like, I need some basketball. Where's my basketball? Um, but normally you have to deal with that, and it's a Monday. This I felt was like this. The start. There's a stark transition from a Sunday into a Monday. Which I guess if you take off work, you don't feel as much. But like I had to be in work early on Monday morning. I was up at four thirty in the morning on Monday morning to get into work. So it's like for me having that when I got home and still being able to know I had basketball all day, and then I was fortunate enough I got to sleep in on Tuesday. I didn't have to work until Tuesday night, so I had a little bit of a buffer there where I could sit and enjoy the games and kind of indulge myself all over again. But uh, I don't know. I kind of like the setup if I'm being totally honest. That being said, we just talked about. Uh, UC Santa Barbara and Creighton. Creighton made their way to the Sweet 16, and that is where we're going to start here with our tournament challenge. Gonzaga, Creighton, who do you got? Don't think it's close. It's Gonzaga. Yeah. For as well as Gonzaga Creighton shoots look, threes, they don't, yeah. They're, they're, Gonzaga Creighton, looks Gonzaga awesome. Too good. Yeah, they're too good. Um, Which means Creighton will probably win. <laughs> I don't think Gonzaga is going to lose until maybe the next round, depending on who wins this next game. USC and Oregon. Oregon smacked the shit out of Iowa. I loved seeing that, honestly. I am not a big fan of Big Ten basketball. I went on a little rant about that in the last pod. The Pac-12, USC and Oregon matchup here. USC beat Kansas by 34. Second worst loss in program history. Think about how long Kansas has been around. That was the second worst loss they've ever had. 34 to the Trojans. I think USC is rolling. I think this is a really interesting game to try to handicap. Uh, Right now, USC is like a three-point favorite, three-and-a-half-point favorite. I might take the Oregon points there, but give me the Trojans. That's also what I had in my original bracket, by the way, in the Elite Eight was Gonzaga versus USC. So You love Evan Mobley and uh, and the Trojans. You are riding the Trojans, uh, the sixth seed, all the way to the Elite Eight. Give me the Ducks. Give me the Ducks. They're the best. They're the 15th best uh, uh, three-point field goal percentage team in the country. Give me the Ducks over the Trojans. I like it. You know, I and I think that can be a really good game. And look, if Oregon wins the game, I wouldn't be surprised. They I were impressive. Or whatever it is. I, I forgot. I'm, I'm blanking on the kid's name from Oregon who, who played exceptionally well. Uh, God, now I can't remember his name. It's driving me nuts. But anyway. Uh, a Chris Duarte, that's his name. Chris, Chris Duarte, Duarte, yeah. He is a stud, man. And talk about a potential NBA guy, the matchup between him and Evan Mobley. I mean, Mobley's a little bit bigger, so I think they may not match up one-on-one a whole lot. But I don't know, man. I think USC is playing lights out right now. They looked great in the first round. They looked even better in round two. All right, yeah. let's move down to the Eastern region. Number one, Michigan, taking on the Florida State Seminoles. Michigan looked a little sketchy against LSU, but they showed a firm backbone. I think Michigan could potentially make a run here. Florida State looked excellent against a really good Colorado team. Who you got in this one, Scotty? It's tough because I had Colorado here because they could shoot threes, but Florida State defended them well on the perimeter. Michigan is, I, for my money, a better three-point shooting team right now than, than Colorado was. Uh, give me the Knolls. Give me the Knolls. Going Knowles. Yeah. Give me the Knowles. They stretch the floor. Um, Michigan's big. I, the only thing that, that Florida State's going to have trouble with is uh, Dickinson down low. Um, yeah. 
but if, but other if than that, Michigan, if Michigan had livers in this game, I would probably take the Wolverines, but so I haven't had a, a liver since I was 18. So <laughs> we're at a point right now where this is where I think a lot of the coaching matters. And while I, I like Juwan Howard and I think Juwan Howard is going to be a great coach. I think he's got final fours in his future there at Michigan. As oh, long yeah. as he stays, I think this is where experience wins. This is the, I believe it's the third consecutive sweet 16 for Florida state. All right. This Florida state team, they felt like they could win the national title last year. They didn't get it. I think Florida state rolls as well. Alabama, UCLA, you see, there's a team every year that a first four team makes a sweet 16, like every year now, I don't know how this happens. I don't know what the psychology is about it, but this is like the fifth straight year it's happened. But I love the crimson tide roll tide. They are the, Number four team in defensive efficiency in the country. They're not just three. They're not just running. Yeah. They're three and D. They do it both. I think Alabama has a legit shot to make the national title game. I like Alabama here knocking off UCLA. Yeah, I do too. But I want to recall that in our original bracket, you called two 11 seeds that were playing and playing games softer than baby shit. I think it was. Yeah. And yeah, they're both in the sweet 16. Shit. So yeah. <laughs> UCLA and Syracuse, you called that, but they're both in the sweet Fair, 16. though, so did Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo <laughs> called the West Coast basketball soft. That clip happened. We played it on our show last oh, yeah. week, the morning before they ended up losing to UCLA. So yes, I, Hey, look, I ate my crow plenty on the pod <laughs> earlier this week. I deserve it. Fuck Syracuse in their stupid softest baby shit zone though. I will stand by that statement, oh, yeah. but we both like Florida state and Alabama. All right. Yes, South sir. bracket. We have the Baylor bears taking on Villanova. Now, if Colin Gillespie was in this game, I actually think Villanova would have a shot because Baylor's guards are so yeah. good defensively. And if you have an experienced, smart basketball mind at the point guard position, someone who isn't, he's very unselfish. He knows where to get the ball in certain positions like Colin Gillespie does. I think Villanova would have had a shot. Yeah, but they don't have Gillespie, and Baylor is a fucking juggernaut. I ended up changing my theory with the brackets is that I usually change them pretty drastically the morning before the tournament starts. I make one right away. I check on it once the week of, and then the morning before the tournament, I switch it around because, like I told you before, you got to fade the public. And everyone was so heavy on Illinois. I ended up having Illinois losing in the Sweet 16. Obviously, they lost even earlier than that. So. I ended up now, I have Baylor beating Gonzaga in the championship in my bracket. I know people are going to be like, dude, what the fuck? You're hedging or you told us something different on the podcast. I know. I was wrong. It's fine. I'm not I'm not saying claiming I'm smart. I'm just saying my official bracket right now does have Baylor as my national champion. I'm going with the Baylor Bears. Yeah, I. it's tough, man. Villanova is gives up the least amount of turnovers per game in, in the NC2A. Uh, I think you're right, though. If Gillespie was there, that defense is just so good on the perimeter mm-hmm. um, for Baylor. So, yeah, give me the Bears. And, and Villanova like has has a couple of pros, too. Like, we got to keep in mind they have, I think, the best coach left in the tournament. But yeah. shout-out to my man, Ryan Kakaiko, who's hopefully listening to this pod. Baylor Bears don't hibernate. They accelerate. Uh, that's an inside joke from when we were children. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on now, Arkansas taking on the Cinderella of Cinderella's. Only the second 15 seed we've ever seen in the Sweet 16, Oral Roberts. 
taking on the Razorbacks. Fun caveat. This is a rematch of this season. Arkansas scheduled really? Arkansas scheduled three teams that won in the first round of the NCAA tournament that were 11 seeds. Eric Musselman philosophically thought, I want to schedule out-of-conference games with teams that I think are lower conferences but that we might end up playing in the tournament. They, they played North Texas, they played Ohio, and they played Oral Roberts. So this is actually a rematch. And who would have thought back in December when these guys played that we would see a rematch of Arkansas and Oral Roberts in the Sweet 16? All that being said, I loved Arkansas from the get-go. I love Arkansas again. Woo pig suey, give me the Razorbacks. <sighs> Uh, if there were oh, ever don't. a 15 to pick up upset of three to get to the <laughs> to elite eight, my friend scotty miller i care be, about you i care, I care about, about you it would be oral roberts if i could ever pick a 15 to be a three to get to the elite eight it would be this oral roberts team they're number 12 overall in three-point field goal percentage number one free throw shooting team in the land uh but arkansas just scores too well and they're too good of a second half team give me the brazerbacks yeah Woo, I, picks, love, I, I love eric musselman too all right, here we go to the Midwest, which is the what the fuck happened here bracket. Oh, Jesus. Loyola, Chicago. Can't call him a Cinderella anymore, man. Can't call him a Cinderella. I or- love this matchup, by the way. And they're playing Oregon State. I do, too. I went on it. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. I went on a bit of a, a rant. I don't say rant, but I have a theory. I think Loyola, Chicago could become the the next Gonzaga. If Porter That's Moser. That's not a bad take. If Porter Moser decided to stay. And look, Mark Few's been at Gonzaga for 32 years, right? And it wasn't until this year that they got their first ever top 10 recruit. But he doesn't have to recruit top 10 guys. Chicago's a hotbed of basketball talent. Uh, as I was talking oh, about- I love with that Kurtwick guy, man. He's a fucking monster. <laughs> oh, Cameron, yeah, he's unbelievable. Kid. I was talking to Dallin Cuff last night, who is one of ESPN's basketball analysts. Uh, he and I were, were kind of going back and forth on this. And look, Porter Moser's going to get the Brinks truck you know, truck dropped on his backyard. I'm, I'm telling you, there's going to be a team, whether it's Indiana, right? There's going to be a team that comes out that's looking for a head coach that's going to pay him some serious money. Right now, if he's making over a million dollars and he's got something cooking there and potentially a second Final Four trip in three years, that can be like, that is something you can build on. That is a legitimate foundation. In this matchup, Oregon State's played really well. But I think this is, this is what we see a lot of times in the NCAA tournament. We get attached to teams that look really good, that get hot in the first two rounds because they're playing two games in three days. Well, now we have a week separating them. And I think if we're really going down to it, I think Loyola Chicago is just – I think they're the best team in this region. So give me – it's the Ramblers, right? That's the Ramblers. It's the Ramblers. Good call. I'm a rambling man. Yeah. Give me the Ramblers. Loyola Chicago knocks off the Beavers. This is actually an interesting matchup for my family because my cousin currently attends Loyola Chicago, Sophia. Oh, no way. And her mother went to Oregon State. <laughs> so this is uh, a fun matchup for my family. It's, it's really interesting. Um, so is the Oregon-USC one, but uh, more so this one because it's more involved. Um, but, man, I, I, love, I love what Porter Moser is doing in, in Loyola, <clears throat> Chicago. And how can we – I sat here – and and you let me in round one pick Georgia Tech over Loyola Chicago, knowing that Sister Jean would be there. Like what were I th- we think? I think I 
I, no, because I think what happened was we knew that the ACC player of the year, Moses Wright, was not going to be playing in that game. But we didn't know it was Moses Wright who was the one who was infected with COVID and wasn't uh, yeah, going to be right. playing. That's, okay. So it was that kind of – depend. it could be a trainer for all we knew. But, no, it happened to be their best player and the best player in the ACC from this past yeah. year. Sucks yeah, for he- Georgia Tech. But that's what you get when you get to skip two rounds in the ACC tournament and then only have to play two games to win the ACC tournament. Your yeah. luck's going to run out eventually. They get the ACC tournament well, win, but this Loyola Chicago team, man, and that, they just, and that's a, they didn't just that's beat a good Illinois. Point, though. They're a, they were a, they were the better. They dominated team. them, yeah, yeah, which is crazy because this wasn't Kirk, Ohio Kirk versus Kirk, UVA. This was Kirk like dominated. Uh, 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 oh God, who's the big guy? Uh, Kofi Co- uh, Kofi, Kofi Coburn. Coburn. Yeah, he dominated. Yeah, like all game long on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball, which is insane. That was an insane matchup to watch the whole game. It was so old school. It was like watching Shaq and Dikembe. It was great. Um, but he's got a little like Jokic in him. Like he just yeah, he's a little so bit. good distributing the ball. Yeah. He can shoot it. Well, he's and this is gonna be a little bit of a preview here for our for our last matchup here in the Sweet 16, which is Syracuse versus Houston. You know how I feel about Houston. And by the way, Houston should have lost. Houston should have lost to Rutgers. So I feel even stronger about my take that Houston is overrated. They clearly weren't the most overrated two seed because Ohio State lost to Oral Roberts. But losing to Rutgers in the second round is not a whole lot better. So, wait, yeah, I think you're underrating Rutgers. They played really well all year. Yeah, and it, sure. it pains me to say that. Sure, but they also like Houston still should like they, they they what? They were the last team to make it out of the Big 10 or second to last team. Michigan State was the last one. Yeah. I, I like Rutgers. Rutgers has some players that are really good, including the son of one of the original members of Five yeah. Slamma Jamma yeah. at Houston. That piece was awesome. I yeah, that hate, was cool. I hate, hate, fucking hate the Syracuse 2-3 zone. I hate it with my whole heart, Scott. I hate I it as much this, as I hate fucking anything. It's I said this worst. when we were texting. It, it, I don't know what is so hard to beat a 2-3 zone. Either you – like you're – your game plan is awful or you can't shoot. One of those two things is happening that you're not beating a two, three zone. No, but you have to remember, dude, there's like two teams in the NCAA that run a two, three zone. That's not my point is these guys play hours and hours, but it's not though. If it was, then teams would be able to do it. It takes a half of basketball to figure it out. We saw that in the West, West Virginia Syracuse game. So immediately if you're playing, especially in conferences like the big 12 or the SEC, where you're just playing man-to-man, it's more up-and-down scoring. The reason Syracuse sucked in the ACC is because all of the coaches in the ACC have been coaching against it for a long time. They do know how to beat it. But for the majority, and this is why when you have the tournament and you get all these cross-conference matchups, it can be deadly because no one, these players, most of these college kids haven't faced a 2-3 zone since they were like a freshman in high school. Yeah, if When that. they go play and- pickup, it's, it's nothing but just man-to-man. No look, one plays this, the zone anymore. But this is where this week off benefits you, right? Instead of having to play back-to-back games a great in point. the first and second round, uh, if you're if you're a West Virginia playing them on the second night of uh, when Syracuse is on a heater, yeah. um, you get a week to prepare for that two-three zone. You don't have like a couple like two nights to prepare for it. So it's a great Houston. Point. Houston to me is a better balanced offense than West Virginia was anyway. And they uh, haven't played well for the first two rounds either, West so they're kind of due. West Virginia can score, and Houston has a better balanced offense. They haven't played well. Um, they're getting a rest finally for the first time in a week, and I, I think 
even if Bielema is shooting or uh, Bielema, Jesus, football is on the brain. Beheim. If Beheim if, if is shooting the lights out at three, then you just oh. you double him, and he's the only guy that's been shooting lights out. Except in that, well, the first round game, everybody was shooting. So you taking out. the Cougars is what I'm hearing. Give me Houston. Yeah, it's an excellent point. It's a really good point. I, you know what? No, give me buddy buckets. I'm going Syracuse and only, wow. and here's, here's the reason why, honestly, this is the reason why, because I want Loyola Chicago to play Syracuse in the, in the elite eight, because Crutwig is the, is the exact player you need to bust a two, three zone. You need a big ah. guy who can catch the ball at the elbow and distribute the ball, can shoot the mid-range jumper, a jumper, or try to take it to the rack and pu- pass it off of that. All of which he can it's do out so, of post. I, I love that fundamental. He's <laughs> he's so awesome, man. He really is. I think. And look, Buddy Beheim is now. Oh shit! Because now I don't know if Buddy Beheim's going to stay as hot, man. He's been uh, he's been fire. Yeah, he's got a week off. He's got to. No, I want Syracuse cool. to get to the elite eight just so that they can lose in the elite eight because it'll be more demoralized. All right, <laughs> let's speed it up here as we get to the elite eight. Gonzaga, USC. Who do you like? Oh, I got Gonzaga, Oregon, but I'll give me Gonzaga oh, either sorry. way. I admit that you like, yeah, I think we're both on this. I think we yeah. both like the Zags to make it to the final four. They are just too good. I'll tell you what though, that dude, Timmy with the handlebar mustache, that guy's trying, <laughs> trying. He's just like, people love Crutwig cause it's authentic and it's genuine. That dude is trying to be cool. That dude is trying to be the guy that people like. And I'm telling you now it doesn't work. I dislike that dude a lot, but I love everyone else. Damn in good player. <laughs> and, I, and I love Suggs. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Elite Eight in the East, Florida State versus Alabama. We both have that, correct? We do, yes. Who do you like Roll in the Final Four? Roll Tide. Roll Tide. They just stretch the floor. Too. This is going to be a good game. Again, this uh, this is another one. Whatever it is, take the over because uh, there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game. Yeah, and Florida uh, State's long and athletic, and they, they should be able so to close it out on some so shots. Alabama, but, I just, but, yeah, I just think Alabama is just – I just think Alabama is too good. The, Defensively, the they're too to good me, at shooting yeah, the rock. I, I like exactly. Alabama. The difference to me is the defense. They had the SEC Defensive Player of the Year and Herbert Jones. Uh, but they are the, due for a poor the shooting night. They're yeah. kind of due for a poor shooting night. So maybe if they can get by UCLA without their best shooting performance, I See, would feel better about them coming in against Florida State. But I like Alabama as well. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I thought they had their, their worst shooting out of the tournament in the second round, but yeah. Yeah, but they still won by like 25. <laughs> yeah, that's because they're, they're a they're, great team. Yeah, they're just a great team, and Nate Oates is an excellent coach. Yeah. Uh, Baylor versus Arkansas. This, We're both locked in on this. This could be a yeah. really fun matchup. This is a great Who do you matchup. like getting to the final four out of the South region? I like Baylor. Um, again, Arkansas has showed their weaknesses in the first half and Baylor is the one team left in this bracket, uh, in the South region that, uh, that can actually slow them down enough in the first half that they can't catch up in the second half. Like they've been doing Arkansas. That is, yeah. um, and, yeah, and the defense I, I'm with is just you on that. So uh, I give me Baylor all day long. Yeah, I like Arkansas. They're a great story. They have they're a great combination of incoming freshmen from this year with transfers as well as some experienced guys. I love Eric Musselman making it to an elite eight. It would be huge for that program. I think he'll stay around for at least one more year there uh, in Lafayette. But give me the Baylor Bears. The Baylor Bears are making it to the Final Four. And then in the Midwest, I have Loyola Chicago taking on Syracuse. You have Loyola Chicago taking on Houston. Who is your final four team? I can't 
anymore. I can't. And this is like the I'm a Catholic and I don't know why I ever doubt Sister Jean. But I'm going to do it. Give me Houston. Oh, wow. You you really like Houston. I, I am not a fan. And you know what? We're going to come back on this and you're probably going to be right. And you're going to be like, remember when I told you I Houston was good? And you were like, <laughs> yeah, Houston. Sucked. Yeah. Uh, no, I. In my matchup, I have uh, Loyola, Chicago, Loyola, Chicago taking on Syracuse. And I don't hate that pick. Uh, just because Cameron Crutwig, they're going to dismantle the shit. out. I, I think Loyola, Chicago is such a balanced team. They were criminally underrated as an eight seed. It sucks for Illinois that they had to play them in the second round. They probably should have been a six seed at the lowest, but, you know, the the the, the seeding works in a weird way, and, and there's weird scoring in, in the way that Lenardi and Brad Evans and all these guys who are out there, these bracketologists do it. But give me a little oil of Chicago, making their second Final Four in three years. Love I'm that. not Catholic, and I'm still going with Sister Jean. She's got <laughs> divine intervention going on. So our Final Four sure is does, a man. little bit different. Gonzaga, Alabama, Baylor, we're all in on. You have Houston there. I like Loyola, Chicago, Gonzaga, Bama. Who's making it to the national championship? Give me the Zags. Yeah. Give me the Zags. I, they're just, they're, they're too good against top 25 teams in the moments to count. Right. And I know this is regular season, but Mark view has been there for a number of years. He's going to coach up his players to play in these big moments. And this year alone, Gonzaga's four and over versus the top 25 Alabama's one and three. Yeah. Yeah, for whatever I mean, you want to take that stat for what it's worth. I mean, I know the top 25 fluctuates a lot during the during the year, but Gonzaga's they come ready to play every night. There's a reason they're undefeated. Yeah. And, and one of the few teams that can shoot the ball from deep as well as Alabama is Gonzaga. And I think yeah. they're gonna, I think again, one of the things you love about Gonzaga is they play really good fundamental basketball. Like if that dude Timmy didn't have the stupid handlebar mustache people would like him as much as they like Crutwig because they're more or less like very similar players. Like Crutwig's bigger. He's more, he's closer to seven foot, obviously, but Timmy, some of the footwork stuff that he can do in the post is really, really good. And I think that is something that can be a kryptonite to teams that are built around athleticism. And I like Alabama. This is going to be huge for their program and for Nate Oates, but give me the Zags as well, making the national championship. And then for you, you have Houston taking on Baylor, a Texas matchup. Who's making it to the national championship on that side of the bracket. God, that's going to be a good game if it happens. Man, because both sides of the ball are really, really good. Um, This is just going to be a gut one. Give me Baylor. I, that's that's just a gut. I yeah. mean, I, mean, I, I just think, think Baylor's the way better than Houston, but I, I think I think Baylor's head like head and foot better than Houston. Um, But I, I do get, like, I, Houston's one of those teams that I do understand, like, They've they've won tight games. They know how to win close games. I think Baylor's just a star. I, I think I think as a program, and not only that, man. Like we des- I say we as if the kids aren't the ones that deserve this more than us. But we like, do. We, we make the brackets. We, yeah, we, we spend, analyze it. <laughs> we spend twenty five minutes filling out a bracket. We deserve the Gonzaga Baylor national championship. And I'm with you, Loyola Chicago. Just I don't think they have the horses. And and while I like their guards. I think they're going to get eaten alive by Baylor's guards. And that being said, another final four trip for Loyola Chicago would be huge. So now national championship, we both have Gonzaga and Baylor who is cutting down the nets on April 5th in Indianapolis. Wow. This is going to be, 
one for the ages as uh as jim nance would say um i i really do think so i this is probably and weren't they supposed to play earlier in the year they were and and that didn't happen mm-hmm. oh man so it's and then you have the book not to happen you have the whole narrative of of with baylor the head coach of scott drew his brother is uh is uh Bryce Drew, who made that great shot in 98 for uh, Valparaiso um, in the tournament, the buzzer beater. And, uh, and Scott Drew is, is the head coach of Baylor. He's there. He's from Indianapolis. They're playing in Indianapolis in the championship game. Gonzaga would be the only undefeated team to uh, go on and win the championship since the 1976 Indy Indiana Hoosiers, Mm -hmm. which was, which you got also it. an Indiana team, but yeah, give me give me Gonzaga. Gonzaga's the only team left that can uh, can win thirty games. Um, that's that's been the trend the last few years. Is a thirty win team is the champion. So give me those. Give me the Zags. Mark Few finally gets one. I would love to see that, but I think Baylor wins. I think Baylor is a team. They are a great combination of elite athleticism, elite talent, a great head coach. I just think they're due, and I love Gonzaga, but I just I think there's a cap sometimes with them. You know, I think there's a cap on what they can do. And look, they might have the best player in the game with Suggs. It very easily could be the case. But Baylor is just such a well-rounded team, and I think the guards outside of Suggs are going to be a little weaker comparatively. If Gonzaga gets hot from three, this could be a different conversation, but. You know, I, I just I really like Baylor, and I think they're an elite level team in every single facet that they need to be. And I also picked them to win it in my bracket, so I'm kind of just rolling with what I picked to. in my bracket. So yeah, I mean, look, Gonzaga, I'm be, the slipper still fits. I like you like Gonzaga. I like Baylor, and uh, that's our picks. That's our picks right there for the second chance because all of our brackets have fallen to shit. So. Uh, that's all we got. I'm going to wrap this now because, look, we've been talking for a long time. This has been a great pod. Love talking to you as always, Scotty. We will be back next week. And by next week, man, maybe not by the time. We'll have, like, at least the first, you know, crop of games. The Sweet 16 will be done, and the first round of the Elite Eight should be done there as well by the time we're recording. Probably games will be going on as we are recording. So stay tuned into that. We got plenty more to come here on the read option. Like, rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast. Tag me and Scotty. Tag us on Instagram. Tag us on Twitter. Let us know that you made it this far. Uh, And once again, thank you all for listening. We will be back later next week. Enjoy the second weekend of the madness. And as always, take it easy, y'all.